Flyover Politics Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful and please it's the the first amendment you just gotta look it up mr Cummel. and welcome back to flyover politic podcast it's the 16th of june year of our lord 2020 it's super early in the morning because i couldn't sleep last night and that was shin ramen guy i don't even know his name but it was viral and I had to play it. It is one of the greatest owns I've ever seen. It went viral, of course, with conservatives, but he's standing in front of a TV with Chris Cuomo saying that stupid line, eating shin ramen dry. And then saying in front of a TV with the Constitution, you just got to look it up. It's right there. And that pretty much sums up everything on this show. Now, people were dogged him, but... I, I'm going to tell you right now, back in the 90s, I would eat dry shin ramen. I put the red pepper packet on it, and literally, it was spicy ramen. Drink a canteen of water, you got a full stomach. It was a good deal. Today's show is going to be basically Atlanta, Chaz, the media inciting violence, a short media section, and a gay and gay things. I mean, gay shit. There it is. We got a gay shit because the Supreme Court. And I already had stories. So, up front, um, we're going to start with a new. Going to start with crime statistics or things that are just horrible as we're going through this, and we're going to end the show today on something different. We'll do our "This Is America," but I'm going to try out "Shot and Chaser." Because that's a big thing that goes on Twitter where somebody compares tweets and it's so very apropos right now. I mean, just a month ago, we were told all sorts of stuff. Also going to do some personal screeds. A screed I found on Twitter that's really good. And this morning I found a Facebook post by a liberal. And it was one of our friends. And it sounded so much like me that we'll cover that too. Show will be disconjoined today. I'm at the leave to go to my appointment, and then I'll come back and finish. But we'll get probably Atlanta done, and then we'll finish the rest when I get back around 10. Right up front, LAPD, they're not getting paid overtime. Well, all this is going on, they're not getting paid overtime. And the reason why they're not getting paid overtime is because they gave $75 million of the budget to illegals. Just going to let that sit there. Catherine Heritage, DHS analysis obtained by CBS News includes intel through 5 June and warns doxing for vi- uh, lead to attacks for violent opportunists or domestic violent extremists against law enforcement. That was preceding this uh, uprising, is what I'm calling it. Tom Cotton, running this column, puts lives in danger. We just went through the little Tom Cotton thing. And then the New York Times has the balls to run. Yes, we mean literally abolish the police in their op-ed section. I have a couple people dogging that today, which surprised me. Uh, 
quite a few. Buck Sexton, <clears throat> there's no amount of sensitivity or tactical training you could give a law enforcement officer to make him or her not react to a credible threat against the officer's life with lethal force. If cops aren't allowed to defend themselves, we're betraying all those that wear the uniform. But the sad statistic that was sent to him by Byron York, ABC iPost poll, 64% of Americans overall oppose defunding the police. 55% of Democrats support it. There's two numbers in there that are very, very scary. Number one, that only 64% of the country thinks we need police force. Number two, a majority of Democrats think we shouldn't have police. They also think you shouldn't have a weapon. And as we'll see in our shot chaser section, that you should not be in charge of anything. If there's ever going to be a culture war that turns hot, we're living it right now, boys and girls. It won't be over something lofty like storing the union and slavery. It'll be over ideals. Because as you'll see as we start this Atlanta with CNN's rye, justifying a lie we have a party or persuasion of Americans that believe only they can do things only they get to protest and they do none of it with actual facts This is a bridge too far. It is time for not just massive reform or de-escalation. That's the wrong D, Jim. It's time to talk about defunding in a real way. We have to reimagine safer communities. We are not safe. We are not. Angela, we hear your passion. I mean, we understand everything that has happened, that it seems like a sea change in the past three weeks, but that... People like you and so many of our guests feel have been going on for so many years and falling on deaf ears for so many decades, centuries. But but at the same time, Chief, I don't want to paint with so broad a brushstroke that we see this case as exactly the same as George Floyd. George Floyd was in handcuffs. He was on the ground. He was under an officer's knee for almost nine minutes. In this case, there was a potentially dangerous crime he was drunk driving and i guess what i see he was parking allison that's not fair that man was asleep in a car parking lot he ran and he, he realized that his life was at risk that is why he took that taser he was trying to fight back because every time we don't fight back we die and i don't want to take away the chief's time but please don't paint it that way that is not fair angela he that was in, i mean just, so let's just be clear let's just be clear about die. the facts he was in a drive-through lane so cars were having to go around him so he didn't just go to a parking lot and fall asleep because nobody would have called the police if that had happened uh eddie uh, let me just ask you about this Juneteenth thing in, in Tulsa. Tulsa is an important place for African Americans. It's, uh, it's the site of uh, a tragedy in 1921 that the mayor has come out uh, and talked about recently. In fact, I think it was on about two weeks ago talking about it. I don't pretend to know every holiday uh, out there, but Juneteenth is an important one for African Americans, and it's certainly one that uh, the president should have been sensitive to. And by the way, people told him this when he first announced this rally in Tulsa, and he said, uh, well, 
well, it's a celebration. Uh, it's part of this tone deafness of the president as it relates to the current zeitgeist of Americans realizing that African Americans do have a harder time on almost every aspect of society. Ali, tone deafness might be a generous read uh, in the sense that I think that uh, President Trump and, and the folks around him are always trying to figure out how to leverage uh, white resentments in particular sorts of ways. Juneteenth is an important uh, moment on what we might call African Americans' alternative celebratory calendar. Uh, it recognizes the fact that in Galveston, Texas, that uh, those who were enslaved had heard two years later uh, that uh, the Emancipation Proclamation had been issued, and then they re realized that they were free. Remember, it was two years later. We don't get the end of slavery, of course, until the end uh, to the passage of the 13th Amendment, but the idea is that there's this moment, this date, just like January 1st used to be a date on that calendar, celebrating the abolition of the slave trade. Uh, August 24th was the day in which the abolition of West Indian Emancipation Day. These were important days over the course of the 19th century and Juneteenth and the 20th century and, and the 19th century to celebrate African American freedom. But even against that backdrop, you mentioned very quickly, Ali, uh, the Tulsa, the Tulsa yeah. Massacre. Um, uh, even if he's not going to deliver that speech, right, on Juneteenth, it's still against the backdrop of, of, of this extraordinary uh, example of white violence, of, of murder, over 300 people dead. Um, it's, in, it's, it's in some ways, Ali, it's, it's white political theater that plays fast and loose with our dead and our tragedy. It's the latest. I mean, I'm thinking about President Clinton's tough on crime speech at Stone Mountain in 1992, playing fast and loose with our tragedy. Thinking about Ronald Reagan's speech in 1980 in the Shoba County Fair playing fast and loose with our dead and our tragedy. This is part of that white political theater that exploits white resentment, deepens divisions, and appeals to our, our, our darker angels, I believe, Alec. And, and, and let me say this really quickly. Derek Scott was yeah. just murdered or killed, screaming, I can't breathe. And a police officer in, in, in Oklahoma said, I don't care. That's the backdrop of it. What the fuck planet are we from? Now, I'm going to say, I, I have this whole thing I can unarmed black man in Atlanta after fighting and taking the officer's weapon. He turns and points it at him. People responding. A guy was drunk, fell asleep in a Wendy's drive-thru. Cops were called. They tried to arrest him because driving drunk's a crime. He assaults the cop, steals a taser, runs, turns, and points a taser at the cop, is shot, and we're told this is racist police brutality. What the fuck is wrong with you people? And they burned down a Wendy's because once again the media reported that Wendy's supported Trump there's video of a white person and a black person doing it so I don't know who the fuck did it it really doesn't matter a black man Larry Elders in Atlanta whose PD reflected its demo a black suspect resists takes white cop taser points it at a cop gets shot and killed black mayor wants cop fired he is he is. Gay female chief quits. Had suspect been white, would cops have responded differently? Yeah. Completely different. And Stephen Miller. We were told last night, or last week, that Atlanta was the model going forward. Black people who responded to CNN. My heart hurts for the brother. But he has to be smarter than this. He threw punches and was handling them cops seemingly with ease. What's next? They're going to cap you. Another black person. 
Is it just me, but why don't people just listen to the police? They won't end up dead. Sorry, but if I had to wrestle with the guy and he took my weapon, he's dead. And I bet this guy's a criminal record, too. Definitely didn't obey instructions. Chaz Gustav. For liability, it isn't worth it. Most PD have severely restricted pursuit policies. Chasing for minor traffic of, of, of violations is disappearing. A forcible felony is usually the only way you can now. Everyone else, car thieves, burglar, they run for police. They're gone. He was so drunk. Point one eight. That's over double the legal limit. He failed a breathalyzer. They were kind. They were nice. They didn't fucking... They weren't being mean to him. He resisted, beat it, and took the weapon. And then all the talk out there that, oh, this isn't a deadly weapon. There have been court cases where African-American... <coughs> groups have sued over somebody dying from being tased. Secondly, if you tase an officer and he becomes incapacitated, he's also carrying a gun. The perp grabs a gun, he then shoots the officers. It's pretty freaking simple. This was textbook what you see on live PD. The moment they're going to get arrested, they don't believe they have to because they believe from Jump Street it's racism. Understand if I got so drunk and drove my car that I fell asleep in a drive-thru and blocked it, the police are going to pull me over and do a breathalyzer. There's literally the, the lawyer and the media is playing like it makes sense. Why can't you just talk to the guy? Why couldn't they just gotten him a ride home? This goes back to my rant last podcast. If you don't want DUI to be a fucking law, then get rid of it. But I'm sure the way you'd write it up as the left would be that liberals don't, or black people don't have to drink, or don't get arrested for being drunk, but white people do. Or conservatives, if you drive drunk, you're going to jail. But if you're progressive and part of the Democratic Party, you don't have to be breathalyzed. You instantly get an Uber. So I'm going to play some sound bites from it. Most of it's going to be mostly silence. I don't think we have a whole lot of sound in these. Let me double check. I don't think we do. I got every damn video, and and honestly, I don't. I never knew if there was sound. Well, um, we're going to go through it. <clears throat> this is 38. Uh, we're going to play the long form. This is the fight. Somebody is filming it, and he is beating the shit out of these officers. And he now has a taser. They tased him four times, and dude wouldn't stop. And that's when they shot. So... Basically, every video I could find, he shot at the officers. They were tasing him on the ground. Then they long-form tased him with the thing. And then every form of video I could find, when he turns and runs on the surveillance, you see him point. Hey, bro, we got kids. 
And, and then they're trying to play, and we got kids. I mean, during this incident, okay, during this incident, even a CNN crew got attacked by the protesters. so many analyses on this that I don't even know what to say. I mean, I really don't know what to say. If you were getting your... And this goes back to the Trayvon Martin case. There is a sect of people that believe you're just supposed to let black people beat the shit out of you. If you're white, you have no right to defend yourselves. You can't do anything. And when you defend yourself... You're racist. That's that's the catch. Now, do I think it's awesome? No. It's pretty sad the dude died. But I don't sit and literally second-guess a cop. I mean, I just don't because I'm not there. It's a split-second decision. And there's none, none of a better case for the criminal element in our society than this man. Drunk, driving, resisting arrest, felony assault on an officer, grabbing a weapon, and shooting that weapon at them. A taser is a non-lethal weapon. At that point, those cops did have fear for their life. But I couldn't find an article that didn't, like AP, Atlanta officer fired after fatal shooting a black man. And nowhere in here do they say, hey, he pointed a taser. Protesters in the U.S. call attention to the death of more black men, which is not true. BuzzFeed, 27-year-old black man was shot and killed by police after they found him asleep in a car at Wendy's. Let's just keep out all the details in the headline. Rioters burned down Wendy's in Atlanta where Rashad Brooks was killed. CNN was just on board with this shit. It's just all, oh, no, we we can't have this. Jamie Galgiano, New York Post, unarmed black man. An unarmed black man. And the world goes, no. No, he, he had a gun. 
What are you saying? He didn't. He was unarmed. He grabbed a weapon off an officer, a taser, and aimed it at said officers. That's not unarmed. You could clearly see it on the surveillance, which was released. That little light, that means it was activated with his finger, and he shot it. I've heard all sorts of people come on the TV, and they just can't get past what's a non-lethal. Well, it's very much lethal if you're incapacitated and you're carrying a Glock. And this guy already showed that he was going to beat the shit out of these officers. So, what the fuck, Chuck? Seriously, what the fuck? How do you justify this? But our media did. So I have two sound bites I'm going to play. <clears throat> One just resurfaced, and we did it on the show. A BLM activist actually went and did training on this and realized how hard it was and a long one from terrence williams is four minutes but it's literally a guy and this is what live pd showed and why they got rid of live pd excessive speed just plain it's racism and they do this every time because this is what the media puts out you're looking for your vehicle what kind of car do you drive what kind of car do you drive it's my car man Moppin, the officer, is shot. It happens that fast. At what time did you think that it was time for you to address the use of force that was given? Uh, when he came to the back of the vehicle okay. uh, and and was hiding. You know, I could sense something something was wrong. Scenario two, a call of two men fighting. What's going on today, gentlemen? What's wrong with you? What's going on today, gentlemen? What do you want? What's happening here? What's wrong with back you? Back up. Huh? Oh. What are you doing, man? Hey, hey, he shouldn't approach me. He shouldn't approach me. He shouldn't approach me. He shouldn't approach me. Yeah. What are you doing? You just shot him? Hey, he rushed me. Tell me why you shot. Well, I've shot because he was within that zone. You know, I felt there was a an imminent threat. I I didn't necessarily see him armed, uh, but he he came clearly to do some harm to uh, to the officer to my person. It's hard to make that call. It's a it shakes you up again. An unarmed man was shot. Scenario three, a call about a possible burglar walking down the street. Moppin gets him on the ground. He's not complying. I need you to keep your hands up, sir. For what? Because I need to check that waistband. Well, what? What are you doing? Because I don't know what you have under there. Everybody, look at this guy. What are you doing? No shots fired. But the suspect did have a hidden knife in his waistband. I went through the scenarios, too, without seeing what Moppin did. Come on, do you have keys or uh, do you have anything to show me that? Yeah, no, I need to talk to you. Come on, come on out over here. Oh, I'm dead. Maricopa County Sheriffs, get on the ground. Get on the ground. Both of you, get on the ground. Get on the ground. For what? Get back. Get back. Same results for both of us. Things happen very fast out here. I asked Moppin what his biggest takeaway from this exercise will be. I didn't understand how important uh, compliance was, but but after going through this, yeah, my attitude has has changed. Uh, This is all unfolding in in 10 to 15 seconds. Um, People need to comply with the the, uh, orders of law enforcement officers for their own sake. Being detained. For what? That's what I'm trying to detain for what? That's what I'm trying to get the understanding of. You got, you had an attitude when you looked at, when I looked in your eyes. 
and they'll win the roll down. You say, follow me, and you turn your lights on, and you turn your lights on and pull him over. And I, I followed you slowly. Put your followed hands you. Behind your body. What? I'm not getting arrested. You are getting arrested. What? Get your hands behind your Why back. Why am I right getting now. arrested? Get your hands behind your back. Why am I getting arrested? Why am I being arrested? You're being arrested for speed, and now you're getting resisting arrest. How? When you didn't tell me that. That ain't what you told me. Get me. Ram, please. Don't do that. Ram, please. Get please, don't. Don't do that. Don't do that. Get on the ground. Don't do that. Get on the ground. Don't do it. Just wait till somebody come, Ram. I'm waiting on Just wait till somebody come. Just wait till somebody come. Ram. Get on the ground. Okay. Ram, please just don't move because he's trying to just do, trying to mess with you anyways. Okay, so now you want the license. Now you want the license. Now you want the license, you want him to get on the ground. What do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? You want the license? I can't make it. Get on the ground. I'm not doing anything. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Why? Ram, stop moving. Stop moving, Ram. Get on the ground. Okay, now he got his bag up. Just stay right there. Just stay right there. Put your hands out of your pocket. He wants the license. He wants everything. Help me get a hand. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Y'all got to do all that. know how to act at all but did y'all see what i saw huh you see how they posted half the video and they didn't put they didn't show everything you see how they left out the part uh the officer explaining to him why he was being arrested yeah and then the lady recording they talking about y'all ain't gotta do all that y'all ain't gotta do all that um your boyfriend was going 101 on a 65 so yeah they gotta do all that because that's illegal and then he was resisting arrest so yes they gotta do all that um and then he refused to show the officer his license so yes he gotta do all that they gotta do all that <laughs> like what was all of that come on when an officer pull you over, just comply, okay? Show the officer your license unless you got something to hide. Evidently, he had something to hide. He didn't want to show the officer his license. And evidently, they had something to hide because they want to post half of the video and not show the part where the officer told him why he pulled him over and why he has arrested him. Come on now. Just comply. And don't do it. Don't bring up George Floyd. I don't don't do it because I know y'all finna bring up George Floyd. This don't have nothing to do with George Floyd. If you feel like you are in the right and the officer is in the wrong, hash it out in court. Fight it in court. Get a lawyer. Don't fight the police. Don't resist. Don't I mean don't act a fool. There's no point. 
But why didn't you want to show your license? And why did you upload half of the video? But guess what? We always expose fake people. And you too have been exposed. Y'all ain't got to do all that. I was so outraged about this incident. I literally was angry. Because what the media was doing, which is our next section, inciting violence, <laughs> they would not back off. <clears throat> Even when they brought people on. And experts said, yeah, no, no, maybe I wouldn't do it because they don't have a choice because they were white or they're an officer and they know everybody hates officers. I might not have shot, but I'm not going to second guess a cop who just had a severe altercation. They purposely never showed the fight. That video I played was all over Twitter. It was a passerby who was watching it. They played the body cam because the body cam fell on the ground. So it was better for this guy. But when you see the passerbys, he is the aggressor, not the cops. And that video will be in evidence, and these guys will be exonerated. But the mayor just fired him. Getting with a friend of mine who is a police officer down there, it is fully in line with Georgia... Use of force. They can't take your taser. Because you can incapacitate an officer and get his gun. It's a very simple concept. And most citizens look at it and go, you know what? <clears throat> Sad the guy died. But you can't do that in a civil society. And I guarantee if there's a white guy with a red Trump hat on, A, this wouldn't have made the story. And if it was, it would have been on CNN showing how evil and mean Trump supporters are. And understand, why they wanted to fund all this? Three more people get life in prison for beating, burning of 83-year-old woman in Georgia. Here's another one. Four charged for another attack in Georgia, I believe. More violence plagues the city of Chester as police make arrests in the shooting death of a 13-year-old. Joe Holden is in Chester with more for us. Hi, Joe. Hi, Jessica. Two things going on here on this Tuesday. Police seem to be running nonstop. They had eight shootings in the city on Monday. They are working to solve as many of those cases as possible. In one incident, five people were shot outside. And now comes word, the arrest of four people accused of killing a 13-year-old boy from last month. Eight people shot across the city of Chester on Monday, a violent day recorded in a city that needs help. That troubling statistic is met with a major development in a tragic homicide. Man, is this, is this so heartbreaking? A month after they buried their 13-year-old son, the Davises got news today from U.S. Marshals and police. Four people are now held on first-degree murder in their son's killing. <sighs> It's so bitter for me, man, not cause, just because he's my son. He was one of these people that's once-in-a-generational kids that was just, he wasn't selfish about himself because of this, this athletic ability he had. 
Going into ninth grade, he's one of the top five kids in football and basketball. Nikes Davis had an infectious smile. The Chester eighth grader was a natural talent on the basketball court and football field. He was shot numerous times on May 3rd behind St. Catherine Drexel Church. He was targeted, he was chased down, and he was executed in the middle of the day. His heartbroken parents have continued to celebrate his life. His graduation banner hangs proudly outside the family's twin home. Friends keep vigil at his nearby grave where lights, flowers, and balloons have been placed. Neighbors were visibly relieved with word arrests had been made. Good, they finally caught the Court documents show the four suspected killers confronted Nikes Davis. Their movements in a silver Acura SUV with Delaware tags allegedly tracked by surveillance. Prosecutors wouldn't single out who pulled the trigger or disclose why they believe Nikes was targeted. As many as three eyewitnesses placed the four suspects at the scene. This last word she heard him say was why. <laughs> I can't get that out of my head. Why? All four of those suspects tonight are being held without bond at the jail here in Delaware County. We're live in Chester. This is Joe Holden, CBS 3 Eyewitness News. All right, Joe, thank you. All over the Internet, there's this. <clears throat> Make no mistake, BLM's a radical neo-Marxist political group, a rapid spread of protests across the West. There's a position of authority are scrambling to show they are addressing endemic racism and com- commercial sphere not ending up on the wrong side of the debate and risking Twitter storms. In a world where nothing is exempt from moral judgment, being on a trend means signing up to radical political movement. That is BLM, and it's what it is. Don't take my word for it. Take theirs. The former words that appear in the most online posts connected to the group's riffs on the black radical tradition, which counts among its past contributors, Black Panther Movement, Malcolm X, and various far-left objectives, including defunding the police, an evolution of Panther position, a public open carry to control police, dismantling capitalism and the patriarchy. But our media? I was going to wait till later because they're just inciting it. I have so many sound bites. It's just, it's almost painful. Here is... um. CNN first saying blacks are killed more by cops, which is a lie, and Brinkley likens Trump to Nazi founder, plus a full Saturday night montage of CNN inciting violence. And as has been evidenced with African-Americans being over 13% of the population in the United States, the killing of black men have been more than 50% by law enforcement across the nation and of course people of color have been impacted as well so i think what we have now is the sheer outrage of the pain the wonderment as to why we have gotten to this point we want to find a solution there are going to be many solutions this is a front-end solution there will have to be many responses as relates to those who've already uh, evidenced or participated in misconduct who will have to be judged uh, who will have to be tried and who will have to be punished But we cannot continue in society uh, when we have uh, no restraints on police misconduct. Uh, And that's what this bill does do uh, and intends to do. So we talked with a former police officer who is also African-American, Joe Estad, earlier this morning. And I asked him why some of these questionable police tactics we have seen 
um, that are not supported are still used. Here's what he had to say to me about that. We have policy says that we don't choke. We have Officer Lowman with Tamir Rice. The training, that approach is inaccurate. Officer Salamone with Alton Sterling. No accountability for any of these officers, but the taxpayers will pay because they're not following policy. They're not following procedures. They're not following protocol. So who is to blame for that then? If I mean, because no. they're doing it out in the field, but surely somebody higher up is allowing it. And how do oh, we yes. change the, it? How do we change it? Yes, we change it with accountability. So, Congresswoman, he went on to say that police administrators, um, administrators rather, are very much aware of the quote excessive officers, who they are, how they operate, and that nothing is done. How will this bill change that? Eerie echoes of George Floyd's death have brought new attention to the case of Manuel Ellis, a suspect killed in police custody three months ago. Newly released video shows police in Tacoma, Washington, hitting Ellis. It's important to note that this new video does not show the entire incident. It does capture what officers are saying to Ellis while he's on the ground. Now, an attorney for Ellis's family says that Ellis's voice can be heard in the background of this recording. This is a police radio call, and he says you can hear Ellis screaming, I can't breathe. Unreadable. Joining us now is Marcia Carter. That's Ellis's mother, Monet Mixon, his sister, as well as James Bible, the family's attorney. Ladies, um, I know it can't be easy to see and listen to those videos again. Um, Monet, what have police told you about that night and why everything became so <laughs> aggressive and violent? The police haven't told me anything. What do you, uh, yeah, yeah. What do you understand about what happened that night? I mean, have you just pieced it together from some of these videos? So we didn't get a video until Friday. Um, I knew from the day that I was told that my brother was killed in police custody. Um, I knew that day that they were lying and it was a cover up. Um, How did you know that? I. Because I know my brother. Meaning that know he my brother. wouldn't have been combative with police? Exactly. He would not be combative with police. We weren't taught. We were not disrespectful, especially when it comes to, like, authoritative figures. Um, we've always been taught that you have to respect, especially law enforcement, because of what they could potentially do to you. Mm -hmm. So... We've known this our whole lives. He would teach it to my kids. So it's just no way that that happened. Miss mm. uh, Carter, this whole George Floyd um, aftermath, hearing him say he couldn't breathe, and then knowing you, you heard the, the audio of your son saying that, um, what has all of this these past weeks been like for you? Douglas, the president has so mishandled and mis misjudged everything that has happened. 
uh, you know, the, the crackdown that happened in Lafayette Park was a fiasco. He is calling protesters terrorists who want to burn and pillage our cities. How is history going to judge this president during a moment of crisis? Well, if Abraham Lincoln's ranked as our top president, you're looking at Donald Trump being on the very bottom of the heap. Uh, that might seem like a premature judgment. We are in the middle of an election year. But this, um, you know, this idea that Trump has of dividing our country, um, of using racial slurs, of um, being a leader of birtherism, I mean, he's more... Um, you know, George Lincoln Rockwell and Abraham Lincoln in his behavior. And then the way he's misled the country during the COVID-19 um, crisis when it started, we miss it, lost a month or two of action. It's been muddled leadership. Um, you know, now um, we're, we're already second waving and it's the middle of the summer. Um, this has been a disastrous um, 2020 for Donald Trump. I'm a, I see he's sinking in the polls all the time, but I'm still amazed that, you know, 35 percent of the American public thinks he's doing a good job right now because our economy's in tatters. And uh, there's really not any. You ask a simple question. Are you better off than you were four years ago? And the answer in America is no. So thank goodness these protesters are starting to stand up and, and challenge Trumpism, which has a aura around it of white supremacy. Uh, once again on CNN. So, Dan, I'm going to start with you because, I mean, this, wow, this summer what we have seen is amazing. Events are unfolding so quickly since George Floyd's killing, the protests, the police reaction, videos emerging, more police brutality, and now possibly, possibly reform. What does it mean? Is turning point in America, lasting change, what? Certainly the indicators point to it is a turning point for America, but we can't know for sure until at least after the November elections. Because let's see it clearly that President Trump, uh, he hasn't been sending dog whistles. He's been using a, a fog, a foghorn to say that he's dedicated his political strategy, at least for the moment and probably through November, to abet that racial fears will prevail. And therefore, he's taking the attitude, I'm going to do what Richard Nixon did in 1968, what Ronald Reagan did in 1980, what President George H.W. Bush did in 1988, and what I did in 1916, and that is play the race card. This man was shot in the back while fleeing, and he was using a taser, which is not a deadly weapon. Rayshard Brooks looks a lot like Walter Scott in Charleston in, back in 2015. That is to say, shot in the back. You know, Wolf, how many of us have been in a drive through or in a parking lot as a consequence of overwork, sleep deprivation, falling asleep? This is a metaphor for the state of policing in this country. What it says is for every police officer, every police chief, every mayor, every governor, uh, every president who says that police homicide, police brutality, this pandemic of police misconduct is a matter of a few bad apples. It says that they are tragically, sadly, obviously mistaken. We now have yet another death of an unarmed African-American man at the hands of white police officers. Don't lose faith in that answers and change will come as long as we keep demanding it.
You want some more? Oh, I got it. NBC inciting. Todd, can we help get more violence, basically? Uh, racial divide. NBC just lying about a case where it wasn't black people. And then we have NBC. I just got it this morning. Pivots from bashing Trump to rally to touting crowded chaz because, you know, taking over a part of a city. It's okie dokie now. All right, let's let me turn the question the other way. How do you how do you make sure it doesn't fade? What does it take to make sure it doesn't fade? Obviously, it's on us and the press to make sure it doesn't fade. Right. We have to follow up and, and make make sure we know, OK, how are you spending this money? What are you doing? But what would you say to the activist movement? Yeah, I think the activists are going to do what they've been doing. Activists are constantly pushing. I mean, you look at um, what Black Lives Matter has helped to bring to fruition in the five years that it's existed, even though we in the media stopped covering them as much, they were still working, and that's clear. Uh, I think what's important is for us, who can amplify these movements, we have a very short attention span as well. And I think it's important for us to not just a month from now, uh, if these protests have died out, um, to forget to go back and check. Were these promises followed through on? Were there larger pushes outside of the corporate structure? Because I think that's also the issue. We cannot merely rely on uh, the the benign gestures of corporations to fix these problems. These are larger structural problems, and government has to play a role as well. In some cases involving police violence, there is a disconnect between what officers say happened and what the evidence later shows. As Stephanie Goss tells us, it's happened enough that there's even a word for it. Before the video went public, there was a statement from police. George Floyd's death described as a medical incident during a police interaction. But that wasn't the full picture. Now a revelation out of Houston that this was not Floyd's first experience with an officer who would later be accused of police misconduct. In 2004, Floyd pleaded guilty to selling less than a gram of cocaine. As part of a deal, he served 10 months in jail. The officer who arrested him, Gerald Goins, was the only witness. Now that officer is himself charged with murder and lying in a different case. Goins pleaded not guilty and is awaiting trial. 14,000 cases are under review. 164 may ultimately be dismissed, according to the DA's office. All of the defendants are minorities, and the overwhelming majority are African Americans. The DA's office says Floyd's case resembles others where it appears Officer Goins may have lied. He would have been entitled to relief, and posthumously we can't necessarily grant that, but I'm going to see what we can do. It comes as President Trump is eyeing a return to his favorite stage, those massive campaign rallies, now set to relaunch at an indoor arena in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Saturday night. We expect to have, uh, you know, it's like a record-setting crowd. We've never had an empty seat. 
and we certainly won't in Oklahoma. He says to accommodate ticket requests, they'll fill the 19,000-seat arena and the convention hall next door, the type of gathering the CDC classifies as highest risk of spreading coronavirus. And just as Tulsa's public health director says, it's too soon for this size of a crowd. My preference would be that that, uh, it be postponed until it's safe to actually have an event um, where people can come together and be a part of the, the political process. Coronavirus cases and deaths are low in Oklahoma, but the numbers are now rising. The president's campaign manager tonight announcing that all attendees will get a temperature check, hand sanitizer, and a mask. But it's not clear whether they'll be required to wear it. Peter Alexander at the White House tonight. Thank you. In Seattle this evening, protesters continue occupying part of the city and demanding police reform. Jolene Kent is there with late details. Seattle is on edge. Protesters showing no signs of leaving this six-block area after taking it over a week ago. Now festive, crowded, and peaceful, demonstrators pitching tents and planting gardens this weekend in the newly renamed Capitol Hill-occupied protest. We're here in peace and solidarity for a cause that needs to change. Their demands? Reduce funding for the Seattle Police Department, invest in the black community, and release arrested. And as we go to our first music break... And then come back into Chaz, because there's more. We even have the History Channel a little bit. They're talking about slave states. Yeah, that's good. Do you think during the Tea Party, CNN or MSNBC, and the current media we're at now, where we've just gone all in with one party, would ever bring on just the far, far left? Because they did. MSNBC... And CNN brought Abrams and Omar, who basically had nothing but hate and discontent for the cops. And they believe all this violence is justified. I want to ask you about that incident last over the weekend in Atlanta, the killing of 27-year-old Rayshard Brooks. Mayor uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms did speak out on this yesterday. Let's listen. While we have a police force full of men and women who work alongside our communities with honor, respect, and dignity, there has been a disconnect with what our expectations are and should be as it relates to interactions with our officers and the communities in which they are entrusted to protect. What a disconnect that is. She mentioned this the third time in the last two weeks she's had to review police video. And that is why you saw the reaction from protesters. That is why the the virulence of anger remains. Uh, activists are necessarily calling into question what's actually being done. And what I would say is that there is there's a legitimacy to this anger. There's a legitimacy to this outrage. Safety should look like. So let's talk about that. Um, because you've talked about the dismantling, the need to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. What takes its place? Uh, in, if you could just decree what takes its place. Who investigates crimes? Who arrests criminals? What, what, what happens? Yeah, so Minneapolis unanimously just voted on a resolution that will engage uh, the community 
uh, on a one-year process of what happens as we go through the process of dismantling the department and starting anew. A new way forward can't be uh, put in place if we have a department that is having a crisis of credibility, if we have a department that's led by a chief who's suited for racism, if we have a department that hasn't um, solved homicide, half of the homicides in Minneapolis Police Department go unsolved. There have been cases where they've destroyed rape kits. Uh, and so you can't really reform um, a department that that is rotten to, to the root. What you can do is rebuild. Uh, and so this is our opportunity, you know, as a city to come together, have the conversation of what public safety looks like, who enforces the most dangerous crimes that take place in our community. And just like San Francisco did, um, right now they're, they're, going, they're moving towards a process where there is a separation of the kind of uh, crimes that um, solicit the help of, you know, officers and, and the kind of crimes uh, that we should have someone else respond to. Uh, Uh, but we still persisted. 
Do you want to go ahead and speak? I think you guys, we're going to have to cut back and throw it here to Joshua. Uh, You know, this is a part of the conversation, Joshua, that we heard here in these streets is the extent to which it has been peaceful since Monday. After more than a week of clashes between the demonstrators and the police, now you've seen essentially almost like a street festival type atmosphere. A street festival type atmosphere. No. With a very It is not a street festival. With a very intentional purpose. It is not a street festival. It is not a street festival. Do not say that. Shame on you for saying that. Learn right now. It is not a street festival. You know our voices sound like tear gas that police attacked us with? You have to understand some traumatizing things happened here. All of us are suffering from PTSD in our own country, from our own country. It's not a street party. It's okay. Let her finish. Let her finish. One thing to listen to. It's not a street festival. Vaughn, ask him if I can ask him. Would you ask him if I can put a question to him since we mischaracterized? Could we, could we, could we put a question to you here? Please. Yeah. Joshua. I hear him in terms of saying it's not a street. Would you just let him know, because we do have to move on, but would you just let him know that we hear him 100% when he says this is not a festival because we saw what happened in Seattle. We do have to keep going, and I want to just let him know we are going to talk about this future of defunding the police, but just let him know that we hear him loud and clear. This is not a festival. This is a social movement. But, Vaughn, thank you for giving him room to speak his mind. That was MSNBC, of course, getting their camera fucked up. And, And it just shows... Nobody watches these channels because how in the fuck are these protesters fucking with CNN and MSNBC who do nothing but PR for them? I mean, that's what they do. It's PR. It's not actual news. But <clears throat> I'm going to describe a video now, which you know, I know doesn't work very well for us, but this is how I've got to do it right now. Andy Angio went into this area because he's from Portland. And I'm looking at it, every fucking building, sidewalk, street, there's dicks, there's, there's, it's destroyed, broken windows, everything is painted, everything is trashed, just destroyed. And while the media is playing, oh, this is the autonomous phone, this is great, I'm going to play just a montage, it's, it's. It's all sort of, a speaker calls on white protesters to find a black person. Uh, white dude, you will die in here. Chaz destruction, play by play. Chaz violence, you're choking me. Free citizen of the Tomazone getting choked out. Some Black Lives Matter group of white Chazians chase off a black person. This is all happening that the media is not covering because they're calling it, a, you know, a summer of love. So after slowly trying to get people to join in and partake, it doesn't work. So what do they do? Step two, take it to the next level. I think it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. All right, y'all. So this is my first time literally ever at a protest. And I'm sitting here watching it live. And you can hear me. I say it doesn't make sense. So immediately, whenever the car starts getting smashed, we got my boy that's never skated a day in his life running in to smash the windows, which they need to smash so that they can spray the lighter fluid or gasoline inside the car. And this right here is what I mean when I say they're a team. The two skateboarders at the same time come from different sides and they're swinging their skateboards at the exact same time. (laughs) 
And immediately once the glass gets shattered, we have the woman throwing the water bottle into the car, which is lighter fluid. And then we have the man that lit the car on fire returning back to the scene to light the car on fire. And look at the guy that's inside the car. You'll see what he's doing at the end of the video. All right, and if you look closely, you can see everybody that is really involved in this. You can barely see their eyes. We have the guy lighting the car on fire. You can't see his eyes. We have the other guy in the corner of the screen. You can't see his eyes. He's throwing a rock. These guys are for sure together. And look who returns, the woman that started it all. She was the first woman to spray paint the car, throw something at the car, then she comes back with lighter fluid to help them get it on fire. And after successfully getting the car lit on fire, he runs away. Oh, my God. 
Okay, I want you to find by the end of, by the time you leave this autonomous zone, I want you to give $10 to one African-American person from this autonomous zone. And if you find that's difficult, if you find it's hard for you to give $10 to people of color, to black people especially, you have to think really critically about in the future, are you going to actually give up power and land and capital when you have it? If you if you have a hard time giving up $10, you got to think about, are you really down with this struggle? Are you really down with the movement? Because if that is a challenge for you, then I'm unsure if you're in the right place. So find an African-American person. The white people, I see you. I see every single one of you. And I remember your faces. You find that African-American person and you give them $10. Cash App, Venmo, $10 in your pocket. That's my challenge to you. Do it. And then, then we have whatever the fuck this is supposed to be, a workout and some lady basically naked twerking and playing with her vagina. Look 
Fucking racist! Fucking racist! Fucking racist! Fucking racist! Fucking racist! I love it! 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 Yes, baby! Yes! Yeah. How does it feel knowing no yes. one wants to fuck you? That is yes. beautiful. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. Oh, this is my black ass. Yes, yes, sir. Y'all love it. Yes. How does it feel? No one wants to fuck you. The hoochie mama, I, I can deal with that, that workout thing. Jesus, that's troubling. I mean, these people are, I don't even know how to classify them. So to the articles, Elijah Schaefer, the autonomous owner's right to reject you. Citizen of Chaz yell at street preacher being held down by Antifa as he screams, I'm a free citizen, while they pried the speaker from his hand. A chokehold is placed on him until he almost passes out. And then they catch what they're doing and they all run away. This is the community policing. Found a Chaz medic. He's wearing armor like medieval armor. Chow's now defended by armed community patrols, which sound remarkably similar to police, which is just amazing. So cops meet the gun club patrolling Seattle's leftist utopia the Daily Beast put out. Jack Probosek, who's been living up there, Pro-Antifa media are now running off puff pieces from John Brown Gun Club, the Antifa group that's patrolling Capitol Hill armed with rifles and handguns. One of their members firebombed an ICE facility last year. Same guys in Seattle. We covered on the show. Uh, Anita Bafani, Derek Garforth is listed as a social studies teacher with Pawtucket School Department. He destroyed and vandalized a Christopher Columbus statue. Uh, that's why our teaching is gone to hell. Not today, Stalin. North Carolina, not successful. Portland, not successful. Nashville, not to sex, cause successful. Because the entire media made this look like it's great. So everybody started doing it. But they've been closed down. Greg Gutfeld, when this is over, how will we deal with anchors who incite a race war? Those who ignore the available stats that counter their narrative... We all agree that bad is bad, but to drive destruction and death through exploitation ends of civilization. Asking for a friend at CNN. Mark R. Levin puts the onus on what happened in Seattle exactly where it belongs. This is the block party the Seattle mayor is referring to. Anarchy, destruction, lawlessness. And it's all Andy Angio. It, it's, he's the only one that's brought out tapes that literally just show what it is. And unlike liberals, I'd rather go for a guy who's on the ground than CNN and MSNBC, whose crew keeps getting beat up by these very same people. It's very important to underscore that this is happening under a Democratic merit, Democratic governor, without any condemnation from the National Democratic Party, including Biden. I see the same thing is beginning to take place in Nashville under a Democratic mayor. The Republican governor said he won't allow it, and he didn't. Furthermore, the Democratic Party media are enjoying all the chaos and peaceful protests as they continue to fan the flames of hate and anarchy from the comfort of their own basements in Washington, D.C. and New York. Regurgitating the Democratic Party line and looking for ways to pin it on Trump. Their media imperative is to defeat Trump, who they've been hunting for several years, elect Biden, give the Democrats the House and Senate. 
This way, their party will rule supreme without any checks and balances, and they'll have a clear path to imposing their will on the country and tens of millions of us without any of this. Because this won't be authorized once they can control. Oh, fucking hell no. I mean, he is so spot on. History Channel takes slaveholding Confederate states, but they didn't even get it right. And how about this for a second act? After returning home to Beaufort, South Carolina, Robert Smalls was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, one of more than a dozen African Americans to serve in Congress during the period known as Reconstruction, when the formerly rebel states were reabsorbed into the Union and four million newly freed African Americans were made citizens. Grant's idea when he becomes commanding general is to get all of the Union forces to act in harmony. He wants to move on Mobile Bay, one of the last Confederate ports. He wants Sherman to advance on Atlanta. He wants Franz Siegel to go down the Shenandoah Valley, the breadbasket of the Confederacy in the east. Benjamin Butler will come up the James River and get that Richmond from the south, hopefully dividing some of Lee's attention. And then finally, the Army of the Potomac will head at Robert E. Lee in Richmond. I mean, why would you put a story like that up? Why? Other than to fan the flames. There's an article here about Col- in Philly. There's people literally guarding it. And riot police, somebody who literally... Or police riot, what's his name? Police, police riot. Let me see, what's his name? Unicorn Riot. There we go. Brian Seltzer has used his tweets. His old, I'm not going to read it because I'm just, this stuff is just pissing me the fuck off. The entire thing is look at these horrible people armed defending a statue. But being armed and defending Chaz is a summer of love. Anti racism protesters in Paris yell, dirty Jews. It's okay. Richard Gunnell. For months I've called Jack to remove the Islamic radical from this platform and nothing has been done. He denies his people the right to be on Twitter while Jack allows them to spew homophobia, anti-Semitism, sexism, and violence. And these tweets are fucking horrible. Nothing. He's been asking for that for months. No. It's their anti-Semitism. That's not white supremacy, so we're good with it. YouTube censors comments about violence at Black Lives Matter protests. They won't let you do any comments. Hey, just let it go. But our media is just all in. They they just don't care. This is Brian Seltzer with Trump legal advisor. I'm going to play this long form. I had a short bite just to do a bumper, but how is this journalism? Hey, welcome back to Reliable Sources. If President Trump loses in November, his divorce from reality will be one of the reasons why. He cannot stand bad news, like polls that show he's trailing behind Democratic presidential uh, frontrunner Joe Biden in a head-to-head matchup. When CNN released that scientific poll recently, the Trump campaign sent a cease and desist letter, quote, formally requesting that CNN retract its skewed poll by publishing a full, fair and conspicuous retraction, apology and clarification to correct its misleading conclusions. CNN general counsel David Vigilante replied and said, 
No. So what's the campaign strategy here? Is there a strategy? Joining me is Jenna Ellis. She's a senior legal advisor for the Trump campaign and attorney for President Trump. Jenna, there's your signature. We'll put it up on screen uh, on the letter the other day. What's the legal claim that you believe you have against CNN regarding polling data? Look, no, no uh, pollster in the world would stand behind this as a legitimate poll according to industry standards. So why would CNN? What industry this? standards? Why? For one reason. For this one reason, Brian, and that's because polls. they want to undermine. Much every poll and let, shows let me Trump finish. They the want Biden. to undermine. That's not true. You polled adults, not registered voters, not likely voters, but That's just a normal adults. polling procedure. And that is not the industry standard. And so that's showing President Trump 14 points behind when a Zogby poll that was released in 11th that actually likely voters, not just adults, that you had the audacity to publish showed President Trump eight points ahead. In other polls, they're showing uh, reasonably tied. This poll was so skewed that the margin of error was 14 points behind. The only reason that CNN published this is because it's junk science. You know that. And you know that if your poll had showed the inverse and showed Joe Biden 14 points behind, you wouldn't have uh, published this poll. And so of what America understands, is, is that you're not journalists. You're not putting out facts. You are putting out activism. So and is this that's the strategy? Why fake news and is this why what you're going to do between so now and November 3rd? Anti-media strategy all the way to Election Day? What evidence do you have that attacking the media actually helps you? Well, Brian, you're um, actually a defendant in a current lawsuit from the campaign uh, against CNN for publishing false and defamatory statements couched in an opinion piece. And so this right, has so you're been suing a, a couple of different news outlets for the last three for publishing years. Opinion. So what? let me finish. Are you just going to interrupt me this whole time, or can we actually have a reasonable dialogue? This is why everyone calls you fake news, because you finally bring me on to actually talk about things, and then yet you just interrupt me and won't let me make my point. So my Your point comment about polling industry poll standards is, is totally science. false, and it is important to interrupt when you, when you share true. fake information. No, you polled adults rather than registered Perfectly or normal to poll voters. adults. It's That's important not the to know industry what all adults no, think the only about the president. That's actually really important. We should know what voters why, as well why, as non-voters know about that? the president. Are you really willing to stand by such a junk science poll when they when have the plenty of time, by the way, to register between now and November? Most polls right That's now are showing Trump at all. losing That's to Biden in that head-to-head matchup. CNN's poll is in line with other recent polls. The issue, Brian, is not whether or not they're registering. The fact is that likely voters and registered voters are the ones that are going to show up November 3rd, and those polls show President Trump either ahead of Biden by the eight-point margin that I just described from the Zogby poll that was published June 11th, or at least uh, within a much tighter margin. It is only your poll that shows him 14 points behind, and the only reason for that is because you refuse to go along with the industry standards and poll actual likely voters or registered voters rather Again, than just you call yourself a journalist, Brian, and it's your job to report the facts and then let the people decide. Your ratings are so bad and so in the tank because really? America knows that CNN publishes activist agenda against President Trump. CNN is one of the highest rated channels on cable. If you think the ratings are so low, which is untrue, it shouldn't matter, but it's untrue, why would you bother coming on? Because you asked me, and I think that it's important that your viewers, uh, for the few that there are, that they get the facts and the truth. And so I'm CNN always happy to come on, and this president is pushing back on and holding cable in America. The, and you know, Why is it that President Trump and his aides care Brian, about ratings fine. at a time like this? 
And I'm saying that President Trump cares about facts and truth. And as a journalist, you should care about facts and truth. And to stand behind this poll is actually embarrassing for you because this so, is, this poll is so completely egregious heard, yeah. and outside the margins of industry standards true. that no legitimate pollster That's would not ever true. So stand is the Trump campaign going to sue? So completely different. So is the Trump the campaign others. going to sue so, over a poll? We've already we have already sued you for false and defamatory statements. Again, you're a defendant right, because you don't like an opinion that piece we've that already was brought. And so, right. no, it's not an opinion piece, Brian. I think as a journalist, you know the difference between an opinion statement and a factually false statement. So we have sued over a factually false statement that uh, was couched in, a, in an opinion piece that claimed that the Trump campaign was going to again collude with Russia and keep that option on the table. Quote unquote, keep that option on the table. That is a factually false statement that was embedded in an opinion piece that we are going uh, to court over and suing you for because, again, the American people deserve the truth that has been completely debunked, but your network is not credible enough and is not a legitimate enough network to actually take responsibility for your errors and to issue corrections like this poll. Lots of people like have lots of opinions. That's one of the if wonderful things about America. Lots of opinions. Opinion? The Supreme Court has long but said that a major statement. purpose you know, of the First the Amendment is to protect Brian? the free discussion of government affairs, including discussions of candidates. Of course it the is. opinion articles discussion that you're describing do exactly that. So why do you think you're it's right and the Supreme Court is wrong? Statement. Do you know the difference, Brian? Do you know the difference between a factually false statement and an opinion statement? I do. do is you your goal really to loosen up the libel laws? President okay. Trump's talked about so, wanting to do that. So then, is the real goal to loosen up the libel laws in America? Statement, why are you calling it an opinion statement? Why are it's you an opinion article. It was published on opinion CNN's statement. opinion website. No, so you think it's okay? Would you? Do you think it's okay to put a factually false statement inside of an opinion piece and couch it in an opinion piece when it is a factually provably false statement? Is that okay with you as a journalist? I think it's really inappropriate for campaigns to sue news outlets in order to get publicity no, in order to advance an anti-media agenda. You don't want to be held accountable? Do you want to be a legitimate journalist? I love journalist, being held accountable every day by this everybody, by every viewer, okay, and, then why and by everybody you taking, else. Why aren't you taking responsibility Because it wasn't my piece. It wasn't my opinion and piece. And also for factually false statements. But, but do you agree with the general principle that you shouldn't, as a journalist, put a factually false statement in an opinion piece? That that's uh, not protected by the First Amendment? That's why we have libel laws and defamation laws. Would you so, agree so with that? Okay, so... I'm not going to, you know, let you flip the tables you? and let you interview me. Oh, I'm going to leave it to no, CNN's so, lawyers about that opinion piece. Because you can't answer that. You know, you know Brian, I, that that is yeah. not protected by the First Amendment. You won't answer that simple question. As a journalist, don't you have it is the protected by the to First Amendment. answer that question, Brian? Opinion pieces are protected by the First Amendment. A proof yeah. note, that's not. Don't spin that, hey, Brian. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Let's see what happens in court. Let's see what happens in court. We're no, not going to litigate it here. It's going to be litigated in court. Reputation? That's what you all want, right? That's a right? very to easy question. You that's, all want this litigated in court. Question, Let's the see what happens in court. The only reason we have to go to court and hold you accountable is because you're unwilling to have the integrity to actually say that a factually provably false statement should never appear on the pages of any uh, in, in any newspaper or media outlet around the country. That should be something so easy. I mean, didn't you learn that in media class? Brian, that should be I did learn a lot of media class. Of whether, did you learn that? Or is so that tell me about, that's too complicated for you? You said you know the difference between a factually false statement and an opinion statement. So tell so what me, did you is learn a factually false in law statement school, okay to put out on your network? Yeah. What did you learn in law school that makes you think this is a is winning okay? strategy? 
So, Brian, this is the first president who's actually willing to hold networks like yours accountable for their egregious, egregious oversteps, the false information. So that's the strategy, that right? To, to make him look tough. To make him look tough while he lies to the public on Twitter. I'm just you curious. That that's the strategy, fine. right? No, he no, went no. out there and he lied about that Buffalo Peace activist. You said you're fine. Yeah. You said so you're he watched being held accountable. the president so the other day watched one American news. He saw a lie on one American news about a conspiracy you. theory about Antifa. He got excited by that lie and he tweeted it to millions of people. So why do you say he's about truth and facts Brian. when he's spreading lies about peace Brian, activists he is in Buffalo? All about truth and facts. He's, he's not Jenna. Jenna, that's a wait. You're wasting my time, holding. Jenna. So he has. He's not. So, <laughs> Brian, Jenna, you're the one who invited the idea that the president cares about truth and facts. We can't even agree. We can't even agree on what's fact right now. This is the problem with okay, your the president yesterday. And why so many people Let are me show so you what he tweeted yesterday. With CNN is because you refuse to actually have a legitimate point of truth that we can agree on and then proceed from there. That's where there's not even a reasonable That's why I asked you what the legal claim was. I tried to start from a place of facts. actually false statement. It, well, the legal claim is that we're trying to hold you accountable and defamation That's not a legal is claim. Actually, last time I checked Absolutely. Defamation is not a legal claim. Of course it is. And I, I know you didn't so, go to so law the, school, but take it from the lawyer. It actually <laughs> is a legal claim, and that's why we're suing you over the factually false statement. Right. So but we talked about the opinion piece. Are you so also going to sue over the poll? No, Are you also going to sue over the poll? You're, you're not going to sue over the poll. That's my question. Let me ask you, Jenna, about what the president tweeted yesterday. This, this was a clear with, abuse of power letter, by President if Trump. If you had been willing, let me answer. If you are willing to actually correct your misleading junk science poll, then we wouldn't have it to. It was go not a misleading junk science poll. By the way, this is this is uh, and and again, you asked the legal strategy. This is why the very yeah. first step. I know that you're not aware of this, but the very first step in uh, in how we conduct business is to first send a very nice letter to your general counsel asking for the retraction. We did that prior to actually having to file suit over the false and defamatory statements that were embedded you in know, that opinion. So we, and we've so covered that. You've talked one. about that. And that's how like I said, that'll works. be litigated in court. You can keep being patronizing. I don't mind, but I don't think it's a good look for you. Let me just ask you about the president's abuse of power over the weekend. Here's what he American tweeted about Comcast. He called facts. Comcast a great American company, Comcast. He said people should drop them and go to a good provider. How is that not an abuse of the president's power as president using his platform in that way? Well, first of all, Brian, again, I knew that you'd probably bring something like this up. We agreed prior to me coming on that we would stay to certain topics. And, you know, this is something, again, I'm happy to talk about anything, but this is, again, where the fake news. Yeah, I, was, I told you I'm going to ask you about Trump and the media. Questions, you know? Yeah, Trump and, and the so, media. So, so do you think it's appropriate for the president tweet, to tell people what though, cable provider to. Okay, but it, he's a president, he's a right? So here's what Norm Eisen said to me. Like bad Let's put on screen. He's a president, but he's also an American citizen. Let's put on so screen what Norm Eisen told me. Norm right was to an Obama a White House aide specializing in ethics. He's now at the Brookings Institution. He said it's an abuse of power for an American president to use the awesome authority of the Oval Office uh, to target an American company. He I've said it is even worse because I've here he is retaliating against the exercise of the First Amendment protected constitutional rights. That's what you guys charged. That's what you guys charged uh, during, uh, you, you know, guys? that's what you guys peddled and what the House charged um, was that, you know, false abuse of power. This isn't an abuse right, of power. Right, and was involved is, uh, in President that. Trump, when the president's citizen, telling people to punish. Really bad service. That's entirely okay. Okay, he actually called out MSNBC really, and NBC News, so he was linking it to, to his distaste for news coverage. Again, that is so far he beyond has, the pale for American presidents. Right, but Brian, do you understand how aberrant that Brian, is in American Brian, history? He has an opinion. He's he is also 
a citizen. Now, he is the first one to actually use um, to use his platform as an American citizen to be able to call out the fake news media and say, because you are peddlers. You understand that like someday you're going to regret you this, right? Three and a half years. Someday you're going to regret you, this that, when your kids and your grandkids no, look back at this time truth. and you use slurs and oh, smears like fake to news to hurt news outlets. No, but it's, Jenna, you can't even come on. I think in 10 or 20 years, if we just sit down and talk about this, you're going to recognize how damaging it was, how damaging it was to use terms like fake news to attack journalists who were trying to do their jobs. In 15 or 20 years? You're not trying to do your job. You're not a journalist, Brian. You're an activist. That's the problem. You have an agenda, and your agenda is anti-Trump. The American people threw that, and they are very I really grateful think that this president is finally holding the fake news media accountable because you're activists. You're not reporting fact and truth. You won't even say hmm. that as a general I, I, The reason why I think it's helpful to have these conversations shouldn't ever appear in a media outlet. Folks have gotten I mean, used to that, these alternative realities, and I think it's important we see there are alternative realities. How, and, how and Jenna, you, I appreciate you coming on you to as talk. How a journalist sit there, Brian? And you know what? I want to one wish more bit of Trump, Trump news to share with you. Happy birthday from CNN. <laughs> happy birthday! One more bit of Trump news. Did Obama ever? Anybody from Obama ever get act or treated like that? Any? Can can you remember any? I mean, this is so fucking vile. I mean, you're screaming. When did that when did that become what we do? Does anybody know? I mean, the comments on this, Aaron Rupar, you can tell the media, you understand that someday you're going to regret this, right? Benny. Brian Seltzer complains about the term fake news and tells Jenny Ellis Esquire that she will regret using slurs when her kids and grandkids see this one day. She fires back, you're not a journalist, Brian. You're an activist. Sky Glazer. Seltzer trying hard to act like a journalist. Brian Seltzer, you're a freaking activist. Just listen to him, ask a question, and then talk over when he doesn't like her answer. His arguments are weak and infantile. And that's what it really comes down to. If you've got to scream... Are you a journalist? Here's his other heartbreaking screed. You can keep being patronizing. I don't mind, but I don't think it's a good look for you. Let me just ask you about the president's abuse of power over the weekend. Here's what he tweeted about Comcast. He called Comcast a great American company, Comcast. He said people should drop them and go to a good provider. How is that not an abuse of the president's power as president using his platform in that way? Well, first of all, Brian, again, I knew that you'd probably bring something like this up. We agreed prior to me coming on that we would stay to certain topics. And, you know, this is something, again, I'm happy to talk about anything, but this is, again, where the fake news. Yeah, I, was, I told you I'm going to ask you about Trump and the media. Questions, you know? Yeah, Trump and, and the so, media. So, so do you think it's appropriate for the president tweet, to tell people what though, cable provider to. Okay, but it, he's a president, he's a right? So here's what Norm Eisen said to me. Like bad Let's put on screen. He's a president, but he's also an American citizen. Let's put on so screen what Norm Eisen told me. Norm right was an Obama a White House aide specializing in ethics. He's now at the Brookings Institution. He said it's an abuse of power for an American president to use the awesome authority of the Oval Office uh, to target an American company. He I said it is even worse because here he is retaliating against the exercise the of the First Amendment-protected constitutional rights. That's what you guys charged 
that's what you guys charged uh, during, uh, you, you know, guys? that's what you guys peddled and what the House charged. Um, was that, you know, false abuse of power? This isn't an abuse right, of power. Right, and was involved is, uh, in President that. Trump, when the president's American telling people to punish. Really bad service. That's entirely okay. Okay, he actually called out MSNBC and NBC News, so he was linking it to to his distaste for news coverage. Again, that is so far beyond the pale for American presidents. Right, but do you understand how aberrant that is in American history? They do a lot of constitutional rights, but they don't care about other people's rights. If you're not a prog, they don't care. Andrew Cuomo gets tweet stomped after his threat to law. We've received 25,000 complaints of reopening violation. Bars and restaurants that violate law can lose their liquor license. People with open containers in the street can be fined. Police and protesters not wearing masks can be fined. Local government must enforce laws. I shot Chaser at the end of this podcast. It's just unbelievable. With all the shit that's going on, all the protests, they're still trying to spin it. States that open first. Everybody says that. It's not true. Then, his state... Contact tracers not asking about George Floyd protest participation despite fears of new virus wave. In this article, I'm just going to get to the chase. They are told not to ask if you've been to a protest. They're told not to ask. Does that make any sense? You're not supposed to ask that? Why? Wouldn't that be important? Because contact tracing is to find out who you have been in contact with. Thus the tracing. Oh no, we're not going to ask about that. Because miraculously, you can't get COVID-19 at a BLM protest, when you're looting and beating people, it just goes away. Maybe it's your actions. It scares them. Hmm. Here's some more sound bites. Lemon reacts to Chappelle, which we covered last time if I'm calling him out. Tapper, more on renaming base bullshit. And CNN, a whole bunch of sound bites this week. Trump drinks with two hands. He's not healthy. What the fuck? How is that journalism? So, Don, uh, I woke up this morning at 2.45, as always, and went on Twitter, and I saw... Yeah, thanks for the text. Every I texted you soon after. But the reason I texted you is because Dave Chappelle released a brand-new, unannounced special on Netflix at midnight called 8.46. Obviously, that is the length of time yeah. that George Floyd had a knee on his neck uh, <clears throat> and died in the process. Um, Dave Chappelle put out this special. In it, though, he addresses you directly i mean really directly you on tv a couple weeks ago called on hollywood specifically black hollywood to come out take a stand publicly and i want to play for you now what dave chappelle had to say about that and i'm watching uh don lemon that hotbed of reality He says, where are all these celebrities? Why aren't you talking? Does it matter about celebrity? No. This is the streets talking for themselves. They don't need me right now. I kept my mouth shut. And I'll still keep my mouth shut. But don't think that my silence is complicit. 
I got to say, first of all, I, I was only able to listen to a little bit more of it. It's fascinating uh, and really deep. And there is irony, Don, in the fact that he's attacking you for calling on celebrities to speak out. And he's doing just that in this special. But what does it feel like to have Dave Chappelle <laughs> talking about you like that? Well, Dave Chappelle is my favorite comedian. And I do care what Dave Chappelle says. And I actually, well, first of all, I think my, now my nieces and nephews will actually give me, you know, some props because they'll think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cool now that Dave Chappelle has, has, has mentioned my name. And I'm actually honored to be memorialized in a Dave Chappelle special. That's an entire special. So I'm excited about that. But I do, I have, what I will say is that I actually agree with Dave Chappelle. I agree that I think the establishment um, has been a bit behind. And, and some of what we create created, and I consider myself part of the establishment because I'm over 40 years old, um, I think that the, the young people who are out there in the streets don't really care what we have to say. They think that part of the world that we created, maybe and what we did, maybe we didn't move fast enough, or we weren't strong enough. And so they're out there fighting. They said, listen, we are tired of what's happening. We've tried to do it nicely. We've tried to do it peacefully. We've tried to do all of these things, and you have rejected it. And so I think that not, they're not only speaking to the white people in this country, but also to, to all of us, all of us at the establishment. And so I agree with him in that way. Um, but I do think that this is a moment, not a moment for modesty. Um, I think it's a moment that we should all be using our platform to do whatever we can. And at least to show those young people and those people out there that we support them. And it doesn't mean taking all of the, you know, all the credit for it or um, speaking out for, for them. I think that they can do that on their own. I think that's exactly right. But I think that they need to know that people like Dave Chappelle, like me, or whoever supports them. And that's all they need to know. But the irony is, is that his special is called 846. He's talking about this issue. And I think it's great. He's using his platform to talk about this in the way that he can. So, um, and guess, listen, I'm not beyond reproach or criticism. I actually welcome it. And Dave can come on my show and he can talk about it anytime. I think, especially with this, I think many people have been sort of incredulous about, oh my gosh, somebody criticized me or someone, you know, is challenging me. We should all be challenged. And I, I actually welcome Dave to criticize me, talk about me, call me, whatever. I'm, Actually, I think it's a, it's a moment where we have two men of color who are, have two big platforms. We are agreeing or disagreeing with each other and having a discussion, and people are actually paying attention to it. So that's how I feel about that. It has been a rough period for President Trump and military leaders with his former defense secretary, retired Marine General James Mattis, assailing him for dividing the country, a sentiment given an amen by Trump's former chief of staff, retired Marine General John Kelly, not to mention criticisms from General Colin Powell, Admiral Bill McRaven, General Martin Dempsey, General John Allen, Admiral Mike Mullen. The president and his supporters have had plenty of nasty things to say about these men who have served our country, of course. No need for me to report them. You all have access to Twitter. There is one group of generals, however, that the president is standing firm with. Dead racist losers. More specifically, the Confederate commanders, after whom 10 army bases are currently named. Days ago, the Pentagon said that they wanted to begin a bipartisan conversation about renaming these 10 bases, but the president shut that down. He wants to continue to honor them. He wants to continue to honor, for example, 
John Brown Gordon, the namesake of Fort Gordon in Georgia. Major General Gordon is believed to have headed the Georgia Ku Klux Klan, essentially in that era, a terrorist organization. The president wants to continue to honor General Henry Benning, who was, in the words of General David Petraeus, quote, such an enthusiast for slavery that as early as 1849, he argued for the dissolution of the Union and the formation of a Southern slaveocracy, unquote. He wants to continue to honor Braxton Bragg, a slave owner who resigned ignominiously after losing the Battle of Chattanooga. And on and on, you get the point. Men who declared war upon the United States to fight for their right to own and rape and kill black Americans. Now, the White House cannot defend the fact that a U.S. military base is named after someone believed to have headed the Georgia Klan, so instead, they talk about how we won two world wars with soldiers trained on those ten bases. Four of these forts were named in the 19-teens. Six of them were named in the 1940s. These bases were not named after the Civil War as an attempt at national reconciliation. They were named in the 20th century as a way of honoring the racist lost cause that the generals fought. The key word in that phrase, lost they lost, and rightfully so. Their cause was immoral. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany, arguing that the bases should not be renamed, asked hypothetically this week, where does it end? Do we take away honors to George Washington or Thomas Jefferson? And that's a fine question, and I don't have an answer. Washington and Jefferson had slaves. Though their careers were not built on fighting for the right to own slaves, in other words, they're honored despite the hideous parts of their histories, not because of the hideous parts of their histories. But before we talk about where this all ends, it does not take much moral clarity to understand that a good place to start would be for the United States to stop honoring traitors and terrorists. Abby, a separate issue for the president. There was a lot of talk over the weekend. He gave the commencement address at West Point. He was walking down the ramp afterwards, and he looked a little shaky. Uh, the president says no big deal. Uh, it was a downward ramp, and it was a little, he says, slippery, even though it was a clear day. Um, the Internet, as the Internet does, suggesting maybe the president was having some balance issues here. What do we know? Yeah, but President Trump also responded to this by tweeting about it and I think it really contributed to uh, the conversation around all of this and I think uh, what we're seeing here is President Trump has had these moments uh, there uh, there's this video there is also uh, a, a video of him drinking water and holding it with both hands that have led some people to question uh, whether he is being transparent about his health uh, again President Trump himself has been one to constantly criticize uh, the, the health of his rival Joe Biden uh, in 2016, he criticized the health of his rival, Hillary Clinton. Uh, but now, I think it's a moment where people are looking at these latest incidents. Uh, they're also looking at the president's, uh, you know, long history of uh, his, uh, his speech, his ability to sort of uh, convey information uh, accurately. Uh, that really leads to questions about whether the president is uh, being transparent about his own uh, well-being or, or whether this is a case of hypocrisy, the, the Trump campaign pain, repeatedly questioning whether Joe Biden is mentally fit. Uh, now we're seeing Democrats turning the tables on that message with President Trump as well. 
repeated history of lack of transparency leads to questions and skepticism. If you look at what happened that morning, if you would have said at the end of this, the only person that would be dead would be the shooter, nobody would believe it. Was that guy been shot? Is he okay? We do have some breaking news for you right now. It appears that something has happened at a congressional ball game. Steve Scalise has been shot. Police are on the scene right now. Scalise dragged himself across the field, leaving a trail of blood. You could hear paramedics coming and, the, you know, figured help is on the way and hopefully I'm going to get to the hospital quick. Congressman Scalise is a friend. He's a patriot and he's a fighter. Had his Capitol Police not been there that day on that baseball field, he thinks a dozen members of Congress could be dead. We're incredibly grateful for the heroic efforts of the Capitol Police officers. I wouldn't be here today without the heroism and their bravery. An all-out gun battle as Capitol Hill Police and Alexandria officers engaged a lone gunman. We knew that we had somebody to return fire. Steve really took a bullet for all of us. Had he not been there, his detail team wouldn't have been there either. It would have been a, it would have been a disaster. No bigger heroes than Dave Bailey and Crystal Griner, who both risked their life, were shot at during the shootout, and kept going after the shooter. The shooting ended when the two Capitol Police officers, joined by three Alexandria police, mortally wounded the shooter. Jesus Christ. It's just an all-out, what can we get Trump or conservatives or Christians on? It's, it's almost laughable at this time. We have this one from David Burge, references to 1984, generally cliche, but how is this not on the nose? The power of holding two contradictory beliefs as one mind simultaneously and accepting both of them, to tell deliberate lies while generally believing in them, to forget any fact that has become inconvenient, and then when it becomes necessary again to draw back from oblivion for just as long as it's needed to deny the existence of objective reality and all the while to take account of the reality which one denies, all this is indispensably necessary. Even in using the word doublethink, it is necessary to exercise doublethink, for by using the word one admits that one is tampering with reality. By a fresh act of doublethink, one erases this knowledge and so on indefinitely, with a lie always one leap ahead of the truth. Back to back. NBC News. Rally for Black Trans Lives draws packed crowd to Brooklyn Museum Plaza. President Trump plans to rally his supporters next Saturday for the first time since most of the country was shuttered by the coronavirus. But health experts are questioning that decision. And they have no fucking intellectual honesty. Zero. Just zero. They, they have nothing. Nothing. How could you do that? On the heels of doing... Lockdown protests are unconstitutional and bullshit and horrible people, and these protests are made by God. I mean, seriously, have just a shred, just an iota. And I could accept it, but you can't. So, as we go into gay shit... MSNBC, this this is just, it's all Biden. And Howard Kurtz literally sums up how bad we are as a media. Don't worry, I have Tucker and Gutfill at the end of the show to be some positives in all this insanity.
But in fact, George Floyd and the movement about police brutality and the movement about institutionalized racism that seems to be picking up steam amongst Americans who are not black and are not people of color goes right back to where uh, Joe Biden said uh, we want to go. So the, 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 alter, the, the alternative message to make America great again is this is not who we are. This is who we are. Let's, let's be that. Well, it, it turns out, Ellie, that Joe Biden has, who knew, the perfect message for 2020 of reconciliation, rights, uh, restoring the soul of America. He's been saying that since the start, and it seemed like kind of a dated message uh, when he started with this last year, but it turns out to be perfectly in tune with where the country is. And then when you have him stepping up and showing leadership, as he did yesterday, in introducing uh, a very sophisticated and potentially very effective plan for confronting the COVID-19 crisis and for opening up the economy, you realize we have one candidate who's a leader who wants to bring reconciliation, and we have a president who wants to make America hate again. That's all that he really has to offer. And, you know, he, he has not been able to make America great. Everything that he promised he would do, starting with getting Mexico to pay for the wall, he has not accomplished. Uh, we are uh, the laughing stock of the world. We have completely failed to lead both abroad and at home. And so the only play he has, the only move he has, is to go hard. Is journalism becoming more intolerant? I mean, 10 or 20 years ago, we have seen the publisher of the New York Times uh, completely flipping and criticizing a conservative op-ed that he had defended because a bunch of newsroom staffers didn't like it. You know, it feels like the inmates are running the asylum. I, I uh, you know, I've been critical sometimes of the Times, and I think that their liberal tendency tends to bleed out under their news coverage. Some people have accused Fox of the same thing in terms of our tendencies. But uh, I thought that what happened in the last week over at the Times was just extraordinary. So Tom Cotton writes this article about sending the army, sending the military mm -hmm. to quell the protests at the height of all of the violence. Uh, and it's in the op-ed page, the op-ed page, where you get columns and, and various views of various political stripes. And there was a, a tremendous blowback from inside the Times, and so much so that the publisher, as you say, Mr. Salzberger, decided that he had to defend it. And then there was so much more blowback that he came. Right. He then said it was bad. The paper said it was bad. They apologized for it. And the op-ed editor, a pretty distinguished journalist named James Bennett, I, I'm not quite sure whether he quit or was fired. It was a profile in a lack of courage. You see some reporters now who have become advocates. I see it in the press briefings now. I, I, you know, I was pretty tough in the press briefings with Ronald Reagan and, and his press secretaries in the 80s, but we were basically trying to get information. Some of the press briefings now, I see the White House press corps, supposed to be one of the top jobs in journalism. It's more mm -hmm. playing gotcha or more just trying to get in arguments and advance their, their point of view. That's not what we're supposed to be doing, and that's what I, I see too often among my colleagues in the media. I'm not holding myself up as something grand, but I think too many reporters have fallen into the role of being advocates 
and and frankly, with this president, anti-Trump advocates. And, you know, we've we got to be... I'm going to take a moment here to focus on a serious threat to journalism. This is not a partisan critique, and it's one I offer with great sadness, really. It's bigger than the overwhelmingly negative coverage of President Trump. Sometimes he deserves the criticism. But it began with the decision by numerous journalists that Trump was so dangerous, such a threat to democracy, that it was their duty to conduct a crusade against him. Now the old rule book is being thrown out again. I've reported in detail on the New York Times forcing out editorial page editor James Bennett, how both he and publisher A.G. Sulzberger defended their decision to post an op-ed on the protest by Republican Senator Tom Cotton, only to have Sulzberger denounce the piece under intense pressure from black journalists and others at the paper. The Philadelphia Inquirer's top editor, Stan Wisnowski, was also pushed out, even after apologizing for one admittedly bad column headline, Buildings Matter too. Now, I understand the anger and the frustration of black journalists sparked by the brutal killing of George Floyd and decades of police brutality. But there's a growing pattern of imbalance and intolerance at some of our top news organizations. And for many journalists, younger journalists, that's just fine. They don't want contrary opinions published. Fox News takes its share of Knox. There are a number of prominent conservative hosts here, but you get many points of view on this network every day. The new approach is even being touted as a business model. Most readers at the Times or viewers at CNN or MSNBC are liberal, so these outlets make more money by keeping the base happy. There's a sense of mission as they slam Trump, embrace Black Lives Matter, and now demand apologies and resignations if their bosses allow opposing views any daylight. There are still many journalists, perhaps derided as old-fashioned, who believe, as I do, that for all our many flaws, fairness and balance are our highest values. But these latest developments at the New York Times and elsewhere suggest we are losing to the social justice warriors in what I view as a battle for the soul of journalism. Ahead, Chris Wallace offers his take on these thorny questions, but you're... Were you trying to get crazy with this, eh? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Hey, 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 bow, 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 little pump in the cut. Hey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. All right, I'm back. Um. We start this with my mom passed away this morning and I wasn't able to say goodbye last night because yesterday there was the Black Lives, Trans Lives Matter protest in Brooklyn. Stunning, people were saying. The media didn't cover because it was probably 100,000 people crammed in a little area because simultaneously the Supreme Court rules LGBT individual protected from job discrimination under Title Seven. All right. I could read you this, but I I just want to say what this really means. Ever since Roberts has become the head of the Supreme Court, we now take the meaning of words and twist them 
to fit liberal causes. Am I against the premise, which is gays should not be fired because they're gay? No. But we already have that. We already have laws everywhere. You can't fire somebody because they're gay. You can't fire somebody because they're a lesbian. Where the trans gets in is dress code. So the case in question was a guy who skydived. And they found out he was gay and they fired him. I doubt that's true. Because it took the Supreme Court to prove it. And they really weren't proving his case. And a trans person who one day, and they worked in a funeral home, wearing suits, and one day came in and got dressed. What I could glean from non-biased news is that they said, go home and change. He refused, and they terminated him. Because you can't have a funeral home with a dude with a beard fucking in a dress. And that's what this is about. The point Four percent of this country that are trans wants you as a business to eat their bullshit. And what do I mean by that? For 12 years of my life, I ran a retail company that was LE and military focused. You know, regular people came in and bought novelty and t-shirts like kill them all, like God, sort them out, things like that. But at the end of the day, we had a dress code. There are plenty of people didn't get hired. Somebody that would not take out their facial piercings. Because that was our company policy. There's all sorts of appearance policies for business catered to their clientele. And the trans gay community doesn't like that. 17 states had passed, you have to eat the dude with the full beard like me wearing a dress and selling insurance. And now we all do. Because it's not about the law. It's not about real prejudice. It's about social justice culture war. You will guarantee they are going to try to get a job at a church. They're going to, they've been going out to the Christian bakers. They're going to go back to the army that you, oh, you got to take them. They're going to go back here. They're going to go back there. I mean, there's even a float that Trump overturned and it's later on. In the podcast, I won't touch it again. Uh, health protections for trans. No, it was found unconstitutional and DX'd in 16 before Trump became president. So it never went into fruition because they were trying to pin this on Trump. Here's the Supreme Court rebuking Trump. Trump wasn't against this. The only thing Trump ever did was say they couldn't go in the military because military commanders didn't want him in there. Once again, it's uniform standards, religious beliefs. So what this now Supreme Court has taken the word sex and made it sexual orientation and gender preference. And that's not what English is. It's no different than the ACA where they said the word penalties wasn't taxation. And they rewrote legislation, which is illegal. Gay marriage. It was a state right. It never had anything to do with the federal government. They said it was because they just wanted to say it was. 5-4. This is horse shit. It's just a culture war cudgel. And understand, boys and girls, you've heard no cases of people being fired because they're gay. Because there was already EEOC laws that covered it. 
It was already there. You can't fire somebody because they're a homosexual. And for the record, 13 stores, 4 homosexuals. Out of 150 employees. About what the percentage was. And when they came to work, they weren't wearing rainbow flags. They weren't wearing purple hair because that was against our bylaws. And that's what bothers me in the business community. If I have strict dress code, you're now telling me, and that's how this will be used, I have to let a fruitcake come in looking like a goddamn unicorn. And that's not right. But when they couldn't pin it, here's a nice sound, but we're not going forward. These are some of the things that happened the day this happened because they really wanted to pin it on Trump, but on Twitter they were, but the mainstream media really couldn't because Trump wasn't against... You know, the book is full of some of the best wit and wisdom over the ages about the presidency, and then you add your own wit and wisdom to that. There's an FDR quote I think we can begin with. He says, I can only go as fast as the people will let me. We're at a moment now where it seems like the people want to go pretty quickly and in a very particular direction, and the president, in a way, is holding them back. Is that typical? Yeah, and then one more question about the current occupant uh, before we get on to the job itself. Divisiveness. Uh, there are some hot-button issues that a president might shy away from. This particular president, President Trump, seems to want to push buttons. Is divisiveness, has that always been a hallmark of the office? Bob Costa, you've Good had Lord. time and again, you've had the president complaining, watching images of people marching in the streets, saying if they can do that, why can't I start holding my rallies again? This is going to be a significant challenge for the White House, rhetorically, politically, logically, in the coming weeks. Because you hear White House officials and advisors to the president over the weekend that they are blaming Mexico and the border for some of the cases around the border of this country, the Sun Belt. And yet at the same time, the president's holding this rally in Oklahoma. And if the president wants to blame Mexico in the coming months and wants to blame protesters for the Black Lives Matter movement and others who are protesting racial injustice, he will also have to contend with the fact, a fact, that he is holding mass gatherings. Been sitting on this one for a while. This is J.K. Rowling. And once again, she fucked up. If sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability to many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. The idea that women like me, who've been empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e. male violence, hate trans people because they think sex is real and has lived consequence is a nonsense. I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it's hateful to say so. Three, two, one. Really appreciate, Joe, your courage to speak your mind and not bend to those who want to impose their views of what sex is. <clears throat> Martina Navatrola agreed. And here they come. Disappointing as usual. Hidden mind feminism to firm a, a further a transphobic agenda. There is no transphobic agenda. 
Right, just pure transphobia. Denying that trans women are women is ridiculous. Have a listen to the show about this and the damage your words are doing to trans kids. Right, I guess there's no point in talking any further here. And I was just asking you to listen. Your words and action have been very hurtful to a lot of people who looked up to you. And yes, we all have to unlearn things in order to be better. Whatever toxic system and belief that harm transphobia harms and kills its people. I'm sorry if you think speaking up for a level playing field for girls and women in sports is hurtful. What it's hurtful is saying to girls and women, just try harder. Eva Victor. It's interesting how you're able to do, be so wrong and offensive over and over again. Here goes the tip of the day. If you don't have anything nice to say, shut your mouth. Please don't be so simplistic. And These are all the individual people. I'm not going to give them their name. <clears throat> my trans women friends do not erase anything. And my lived reality as a woman, but you do by denying them. How is a trans person erasing the lives of women's experience globally? Trans people are women. Uh, 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 it goes on. I know and love trans people. Say it, say it, say it, say it. <clears throat> Here's the reality. Every fucking thing you do in life, from a survey from YouGov, which could be no liberal, the only thing I saw there was a census. This No, the census did have trans on it. It was male and female. You buy a shirt, male and female. And when I always get down on this whole gay thing, and I don't care, the 5% of the world, or was it 5.4%, so 5% of the world that's gay, and I did a, if you want to go back to the old days, I don't know if it's on the, online anymore, but I did a screed on this when I first started this podcast. <clears throat> the diff, the uh, duality of being vegan and being gay was what I screed about, so we'll just stick to the gay here. If there is no male and female, and male and female is a construct made by white supremacists, because everything's white supremacist. I don't know any white supremacists. I don't see any white supremacists. But whatevs. Why does one male act female and one man act male? Why does one lesbian act butch and one is a femme? Why do you say cisnormative? Because really, cis-normative is just your way to be able to prejudice against somebody else because you're cis-normative. Your very relationship... I've never seen two gorgeous women walking around being lesbians. Just like I've never seen two lumberjacks running around being gay. I've seen one be feminine and one be male, and both. But yet you say with the trans, the four-tenths of a percentage point, we need to wipe out biology and facts. You're full of shit. Furthermore, to get crude and vulgar, why do you use strap-ons? Why is your sex with a heterosexual male feelings? And that's not me like looking at porn or something. That's just a reality. One of you is a male and one is a female. That's how you pattern your relationships. This is just a culture war. New York Times smears Rowling as transphobic turf. They actually use turf. I'm not going into it. Then on top of it, we, we it's so important for this cabal 
Even though we've already proven on the show there was no genocide in 2019, there was only 19 murders and 16 of them were domestic violence with their partner, the three were unresolved, there was no, you're a fucking boy in a dress, I'm going to kill you, no, that wasn't true, and we've already proven there is no statistical analysis that shows trans kids are committing suicide or attempting to commit suicide, this is all based on one fucking survey that we covered like two months ago. That I felt like committing suicide. When there is 17 a day now, <clears throat> veterans killing themselves. And to date, no data. We were talking how this is going to kill off all trans people because of this COVID lockdown. And ah, there's no data of that. And there's no data of real vets that commit suicide. It just, once again, the argument I've made on the show a million times, so I'll make it one more time. If what you're doing and what you feel about yourself is living your full truth, then why would you kill yourself because people don't expect, don't respect your full truth? I don't give a fuck what you think of me. I'm a fat, bald, bearded man. I'm old. I have no hair. I don't give a fuck. I don't need you to say, oh, you're attractive for me to feel good about myself. It goes back down to, this is a fucking mental health. It's called gender dysphoria. That's why you're killing yourself. And there's direct linkage between the counter-fucking hormone treatments that your body's not supposed to have. I'm not supposed to have a bunch of goddamn estrogen. Every time I get my wife's estrogen prescription, do not take this. They give me a warning because it can fuck me up. But I digress. But we, we got to make this all just crazy. So here we go. SpongeBob. Surprise is from TMZ. Not really. SquarePants is gay. SpongeBob SquarePants sexualities enter the chat. And lo and behold, Bikini Bottom Dweller, as many suspected for years, gay. Nickelodeon officially made the reveal Saturday in a tweet shedding out Pride Month and attaching photos of three other canon characters as clear indicators that they're all part of the LGBT community. Celebrating Pride with LGBT community and their allies this month and every month. Nowhere in it did it say SpongeBob Bones fucking Squidward. But we're going with it. Simultaneously, Sesame Street came out because we got a brainwash with all the different colors of the Muppets on our streets. We accept all, we love all, we respect all. Happy Pride Month. Because the gays are getting stepped on right now. They're not happy with this. The whole LGBT mafia is pissed the fuck off. The African-American people stepped on them. It was supposed to be Pride Month, but it turned into Don't Burn Down My Warehouse, Amazon Prime only black shit on the top of your, whether you are or not. Uh, Netflix saw it. Oh, fuck you gay people. Uh, landing page for black shows. Or do you want to go homepage? And then every time I log in, landing page. Are you sure you don't want to watch these white shaming movies? So yeah, we, we still got Pride Month. Media. Oh, okay, I'm not covering this. This is what I talked about. This is, he never really did it. Reclaim pride by defunding the police. LGBT people are made no safer by the police. The entire fucking article has no facts. They're piggybacking off only people of color die from COVID. So then only black people who are gay or trans are dying. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, none of it. Mm -mm. Somehow, get rid of all the police. 
and gay people are going to be safe, but you're saying that you're getting killed by people. Uh, white supremacists are running the streets, killing trans people. In the same instance, that's what you're saying. So I guess you're going to have the warlord from Chas. Yeah. Five rules for building a welcoming workplace for gay people. One, leadership. What does the leadership look like? What do leaders do and not say to promote inclusivity? Their language truly is a, has to be inclusive. The corporate policies have to be just about gay people. The real corporate values have to be about gay people. Structural support for inclusivity. Ex- external efforts. There's a whole thesis of paper coming out. How to be an ally for black people, which is shut the fuck up white people. Give us all your money. And now gay thing. Turn your whole workplace into a gay front. I guess they do that at Starbucks. To liberal shit. And the shaming begins. HuffPo writer says, it may be time to leave behind black stars who aren't fully on board. Black Lives Matter movement. HuffPost. Too many black stars have made comments condemning the movement for black lives. It may be time to leave some of them behind. This is the most fucked up article I've ever seen. They put their pictures out and everything. And, you know, Trump saying one thing or we saying something and Tom Cotton doing an op-ed puts black lives at risk. They outright put bullseyes on people. Here's the article. Since a string of police killings that took the life of Breonna Taylor, Floyd, blah, 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 their comments range from ridiculously embarrassing to shockingly ridiculous. Of course, non-black celebs are saying dumb things on their platform, too. See this incredibly empty gesture featuring white actors, including Kristen Bell, Sarah Paulson, and Aaron Paul. But it's especially hurtful hearing black stars say things during such a critical time. Here's a quick dirty and rundown. Shamik Moore suggests race didn't play a factor in Floyd's killing. Uh, wow! He then got on Instagram, ignoring his publicist's advice to listen to people's viewpoints. Instead, he shared his unsolicited advice with Rosa Parks. Apparently, she couldn't take in a cab instead of riding the bus. Rapper Tokyo Jets. Now, she means more is pissed because he's about to lose his fucking show. SWAT. <clears throat> Which is a total African-American show. It's liberal. He has a black family. He's brought in a kid. I mean, it's really, really good. If you're looking at liberal stuff. But it's going to get canceled because the SWAT fucked people up. <clears throat> Tokyo Jets jokes that she would George Floyd or Fran, and most recently Terry Crews. Defeating white supremacy without white people creates black supremacy. Equality is the truth. Then they do Trina, Desi Banks, Ablo. Uh, I don't fucking know who these people are. Lori Harvey, Shakina. I don't know who that is either. And then they go on to say, fuck those motherfuckers up. <laughs> That's a summus- summation of the article. Fuzzy Chimp. Some black lives matter. Some don't. How dare they, how dare they not fall in line? This was written by a white person, too, by the way. Too many black stars have their own opinions instead of a correct one. They must be punished like all wrong thinkers. This was condescending and chilling. Way to put their lives at risk. And it goes on and on. I won't read them. People saying exactly what I said. I mean, I played that fact thing. You know, C.J. Pearson gets singled out by blacks. Reporters. They talk terrible to this man. And I put this one in because I, I know it's hard for conservatives to stare at your TV and go, what the fuck? But here's ESPN again. Viewership sinks to 41-year lows. I turned, I tuned in to 
uh, Golic and Wingo. And I thought I'd hear something about sports because I miss it. I stayed on the show. I can't stand Wingo. I fucking think fucking uh, Golic is a dick face. But that's only because every time I've emailed the show with their terrible fucking coverage of my duckies and my Packers. They're just big time haters. Uh, cause remember he played for the Eagles, so he hates the fucking Packers. Um, he basically told me, bye, fuck off. I mean, he's just a dickhead. Can't stand him. Love his son, can't stand him. And when I tuned in, it was all this Floyd shit. And then Kaepernick shit. And, and I understand they don't have a choice. They'll get canceled unless they come online and say, white people are the problem and we all fucking suck. But I just want sports. You know, if I wanted to go into my sports and have it be, um, BLM'd, I'd listen to goddamn fucking Stephen A. Smith, who calls everybody a fucking racist, but is friends with Sean Hannity, which I don't know how that works, but okay, what else? I think that's his, like, one white friend, you know, a one black friend. <clears throat> but their viewership is just fucking tanked, and here's the article. By force-feeding its viewers an unwanted diet of systemic racism and social justice, ESPN has thinned its viewership to all-time low. The blundering mass calculations sank ESPN to 41-year historical low. Good luck defending this harebrained strategy. Clay Travis of Fox Sports Radio and frequent ESPN woke critic <coughs> put it all in perspective. The network, which has become more left-wing than MSNBC and CNN combined over the past several weeks has completely abandoned sports coverage. Now, I'm going to be honest up front and, and, and say, what were they going to cover? Really? There's nothing they can cover. I mean, no means. I hate ESPN. But I'm just saying, what could they cover? There are no sports. Secondly, if they didn't, they're going to get Amazon. They're going to burn the fucking warehouse down. So, I mean, they'll go up to Bristol and burn the fucking place down if anybody doesn't talk about this shit. Viewers, many of whom were willing to watch the channel even during a pandemic disaster with limited sports to consume, have abandoned it in droves. Uh, we're talking full-on crisis mode. The Washington Post also addressed ESPN's television version of the Great Depression. Ben Strauss wrote, ESPN has thrown its full capacity in covering the protests through a sports lens and beyond. Social justice coverage by ESPN is all-consuming. Um, and ESPN Sports Center host Michael Evans and Stephen A. Smith said ESPN has allowed us to express ourselves in this moment. Rob King, ESPN editor, it feels uh, if it feels and looks different and looks personal, it's because it is. At ESPN, we deeply care, blah, blah, blah. We got to say this as you're born down fucking Bristol. ESPN is feeling the pain now. It totally turned off its audience and many viewers turned out. First Take was the highest rated ESPN studio show Wednesday with just 200,000 viewers. Ranked 93rd. Half the the uh, half the audience of National Geographic's Smuggler Secret Stash. I never heard of it. Cartoon Network's Craig of the Creek nearly double first take. To the rest, ESPN. Here it is: the most watched Sports Center Wednesday scraped together 168,000 viewers on the day the NBA was getting publicity for plans to resume the season. <clears throat> ESPN NBA The Jump found a measly hundred thousand. The, round the horn, 175, highly questionable, 151,000. Get up, 136. Jalen and Jacoby, 100,000, because that was just all in white people suck. They both fucking hate white people. 
Anonymous signs for sports rating to be tanking as sports prepare to return to play. There are many serious things going on in our country right now, and the vast majority of sports fans know where to find the news about what's going on in the world. They tune to you to tune out. Guy Benson, the principal of well-known Chicago high school, is under pressure to resign because among the problematic acts, she urged students to not participate in violence or looting. She's a black woman, is thus far refusing to do it. Ted Cruz said it. And where did I get it? From ESPN. Why the fuck are they covering that? What does that have to do with anything? But if they don't, what happens? I mean, most of us in this country are this following soundbite. An African-American kid is all dressed up in black, BLM'd, fucking with an African-American kid who just wants to get on the goddamn bus. A bus driver does what every one of us, black, white, whatever, who are not part of this everybody's racist cabal, he slams him on his fucking face. It is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Man, stop that shit, man. Damn! You better get your ass I love that man. Because he's right. I mean, what the fuck, man? What are we doing? Why, why do you have to destroy everything to prove your point? You don't. You just don't have to do all this shit. And there's no reason to fuck with everybody. And when you really think about it, what that African-American man, and once again, I'm, I'm assuming here, all right, this is what's happening in the black community. This is what blacks do to blacks. Not what whites do. And it's not necessary. It just really isn't. So, to other sound bites, and then we'll go into our This Is America. I, I got, uh, what do I got? I got uh, the Shot Chaser, and I have one, or, uh, yeah, one article, I think. Yeah, there's a bunch of Shot Chasers. It's, it's pretty good stuff. <clears throat> um, as promised, I want to get positive voices. So, somehow during this, Tucker Carlson, which happened last time, Called out BLM. So he got clubbed like a baby seal. Then Greg Gutfeld, I start taping his show again. I used to tape it. It's really funny. It's not your normal political show because there's comedy in it and everything. But they always preempted. It. it wasn't a positive thing until, as we reported a couple podcasts ago, it started beating Fallon, uh, everybody in late night including that piece of shit, the black guy that took over for Stewart, who, by the way, I, I saw it, I just didn't cover it. He says the worst thing he ever did is interview O'Reilly and have a relationship with O'Reilly. And I really just want to say out loud, um, hey, uh, listen, uh, you normalized not to get news from news. You did more to kill the news industry. I mean, how... Seltzer and company, don't fucking kill him because he made kids go, I don't need to go watch CNN. I can just watch late night TV and I'll get my daily dose of stupid. So anyway, this Gutfeld intro, it was from Thursday show or no, not Thursday show, Friday show, but I didn't get to see it till Sunday because I re-aired it. It's really, really 
just spot on. So here's Tucker and Gutfeld. After days of ugly, massive violence, the left says, let's defund the police. Talk about a riot. Staring at cities ruined by lawlessness, our precious idiots think we need more lawlessness. That's like staring at a four alarm fire and thinking, hey, let's defund fire hydrants. That's like watching a friend choking and thinking, let's defund the Heimlich maneuver. Okay, that makes no sense whatsoever. But if you believe law and order is worse than criminal behavior, then I could say just about anything. Check out this safe space cadet. What if in the middle of the night, my home is broken into? Who do I call? Yes, I mean, I I hear that loud and clear from a lot of my neighbors. And I know, and, and myself too, and I know that that comes from a place of privilege. Oh, God. Yeah, not wanting to be maimed or murdered is really kind of arrogant on our part. Spoken like a true member of a cult, one that defies logic but explains blind ideology. You know, I bet she's a barrel of laughs on bowling night. Oh, your 710 split came from a place of privilege. But once this toxic idiocy exploded from the rapidly dumb, our favorite spokesman for terrible ideas sprang into action. The real word should be reform. But of course, defund sounds very scary. And people say, oh, they're going to eliminate the police department. Of course, that is the ridiculous. Then why did you say it? See, it's our fault when the left says defund the police. And we think, hey, they wanted to fund the police. But that's Joyce. See, she's the horse whisperer for the permanently deranged. Now, here's Yamish Alcinder tweeting at us Neanderthals that activists calling for defunding the police. That means redirecting funds from the police departments to other parts of society that help people like housing and education and communities. Oh, silly me. See, I thought it was defunding the police, but it's just redirecting the funds, otherwise known as defunding the police. It's the left-wing two-step. Step one, introduce a crazy idea. Step two, when you actually hear the idea out loud, yeah, you walk it back with some vague word salad. Meanwhile, L.A. City Council President Nuri Martinez announced plans to slash $150 million from the LAPD budget as police guard her private home for like two months. That's why the left needs to be in power, so they can be exempt from their awful ideas. I mean... Imagine calling 911 after the left's dreams come true. Hello, is this 911? I need to report a break-in. I'm sorry, we are no longer 911. We are now the privileged response team, here to assist you in your obvious racism. But the guy's white. Uh, and what's your problem? There's a man at my window in a ski mask. He's trying to break in. He's got a knife. And you don't want him there? That seems rude. He might be a chef. Look, can you send the police? Sorry, we can't do that. But we can send you a gift card for a free massage. Now he's in the house. Well, just because you have private property, you shouldn't hold it over him. He's about to stab me. Well, that's your privilege talking. Thank you for the call. Now, I'm not sure if that's a solution, but does it matter? You can't talk solutions to rioters or politicians. You give them answers, then they can't foment dissent anymore. You're speaking to an unbending hive, a teenager the size of a continent. See, I want real reforms, but I know that after the First Step Act introduced by Trump and bail reform, we still had riots. Maybe we should listen to Ilhan Omar when she said, we don't want your reforms. But there's a solution that's intriguing. Protests occupying six blocks around City Hall in Seattle, calling it a cop-free zone. 
Finally, a secession movement I can get behind in which people you really can't stand actually leave. It's called the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone or the Chaz, obviously named after my personal hero. Or was it this one? Who cares? I say let them experiment with their own ideas behind their own walls. Yeah, they built walls. Imagine that. Take that, liberals. I wonder if Mexico paid for it. But if you believe you want to live in a no police zone, you got to go for it. But what's going to be their currency? Will there be bartering? There's always, there's already a warlord. I want to be a warlord. Do I get to wear a beret? Warlords always get to wear a beret, and I want a beret. Fact is, most of these people have absolutely no idea where stuff comes from. Food, water, electricity. Do woodland nymphs make this stuff? Does money actually grow on trees? Then let's plant some trees. It's also neat that they want to secede while they make demands. It doesn't work that way. You don't quit the team, then demand a new salary. It'd also be nice if they didn't do it on other people's property. But still, I think that. Unliberties hiding in gated communities demanding defunding for other cities while releasing this video diarrhea. I stand against hate. I stand against hate. I stand against hate. I stand against hate. I will stand against hate in love. I will make my presence known. You should, because we have no idea who the hell you are. And wow, how brave coming out against hate. What's next? Are you going to rage against measles or painful rectal itch? Hey, how about looting? Why don't you do that next? I mean, isn't that really the point for making that video? It was their virtue signal to protect themselves from the mob. And with their private security, they never have to call 911. And what would happen if they did? Hello? 911? There's a man stealing my car. It's a Nissan Sentra. How do you know it's not his car? Because it's my car. It's a white guy, five foot nine, with a blonde ponytail, wearing Converse sneakers. Yeah. Oh, that's Connor. He stole my car last week. Do you need help forgiving him? Forgiving? What the, sir? Please be thankful that you had the privilege of owning a car. Thank you. Hey, stop. Fact is, far leftism is like cigarettes to teens. The only way to cure them of a bad habit is to get them to smoke the whole pack. Meanwhile, how does the media support defunding? By playing down the need for policing, which means playing down actual crime. CNN's house manatee, Brian Stelter, claims the massive rioting was actually more benign than its visual proof. He calls it the riot lie. If only there was proof Brian was wrong. Like footage of cities burning, people beaten, a half billion dollars in damage in Minneapolis. 450 businesses in New York looted alone, the L.A. murder rate jumping 250% over the same time frame last year. And, of course, a dead, retired police captain. Just a blip. And if you say otherwise, it's a lie. So how does Brian know this? Well, he lives in Manhattan, and the trash can near his building that was removed because rioters set fires in it, it's now been replaced. Yeah, the proof that the riots were no big thing, Brian got his trash can back. Which I applaud. Brian definitely needs more space for the Twinkie rappers. It's all part of a media protecting their narrative of strife. A versus B equals profit. And it can only succeed if you don't venture beyond the narrative. In Stelter's case, it means not leaving his building except to slow dance with his precious trash can. So with the media's help, you get riots and lootings. But since the media is now pushing to funding, here's my solution. 
fire the police, and replace them with journalism majors. Let's deputize the media and let them handle the 911 calls. I wonder how that will go. Hello, 911? I just got home and my apartments are robbed. Congratulations. You were privileged enough to own things that someone wanted to steal. Goodbye. Hello, 911? Hello? It's all pretty strange when you think about it. If the leaders of Black Lives Matter are political actors, and they are, then by definition you are allowed to have any opinion you want to have about them. Black Lives Matter wants to run the country, therefore you can freely criticize Black Lives Matter. Those are the rules of our system, but not anymore. Imagine a world where you are punished for questioning the behavior of the president or for insulting your local mayor. You probably can't imagine that. It's too bizarre. It's un-American. But that's where we are right now. Black Lives Matter has changed the rules. And here's their first new rule, no criticizing Black Lives Matter. You can be fired from your job if you disobey. Many Americans have been. On Friday, for example, the principal of a public school in Windsor, Vermont, was dismissed from her job for posting the following words on her personal Facebook page. Quote, while I understand the urgency to feel compelled to advocate for black lives, what about our fellow law enforcement? Just because I don't walk around with a BLM sign should not mean I'm a racist, end quote. Unfortunately, the principal's boss disagreed. The superintendent of Windsor Schools described the quote you just heard as, quote, outright racist. Windsor, Vermont, by the way, is more than 97% white. Also on Friday, an economist called Harold Ulig lost his job at the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago for daring to offer even milder criticism than that. On Twitter, Ulig noted that Black Lives Matter had, quote, just torpedoed itself with its full-fledged support of hashtag defund the police. Now is the time, Ulig noted, quote, for sensible adults to enter back into the room and have serious, earnest, respectful conversations about it all. That was a racist statement, the Federal Reserve concluded, so they fired Harold Ulig. We could give you many other examples of the same thing happening. There are a lot of them. Black Lives Matter now enjoys almost complete immunity from criticism. This is unprecedented for an American political movement. But Black Lives Matter is even more powerful than that. It has single-handedly revised our moral flame framework. Yes, black lives do matter. That is a statement of fact. And no decent person doubts that it is true, because it is. And it's true precisely because every life matters. We are all human beings, every one of us. We have souls. Skin color is irrelevant to moral value. Until recently, this was considered obvious. Saying it was regarded as a virtue. All lives matter equally. All of us were created by God. In the end, all of us will die. Nothing can change that. Not wealth, not fame, not race. Every life is precisely as valuable as every other life. And by the way, that idea forms the basis of the Christian faith. It's the entire premise behind our founding documents. And yet suddenly, thanks to Black Lives Matter, you can no longer say it out loud. Affirming the fundamental equality of all people is now considered hate speech. You can be fired for saying it. Again, many people have been. This is a dangerous moment. How do we get here? In a word, quickly. It happened fast. As recently as December, before the riots, most Americans did not approve of Black Lives Matter. The group was in the public mind by moments. Peace in a blanket! Pigs in a blanket, fry like bacon. Kill the police. 
They yelled that at a rally. The usual liars immediately swooped in to pretend that it never happened. The president of the Southern Poverty Law Center wrote an entire op-ed ordering the public not to consider Black Lives Matters a hate group. But people could see the truth for themselves. The video was online. A lot of facts about Black Lives Matter still reside on the Internet. They have not yet been scrubbed. The group's signature demand is to eliminate law enforcement. When you first heard protesters scream, defund the police, it may have shocked you. That's just crazy, you may have thought. A few weeks later, support for eliminating law enforcement is rising quickly in the polls. Minneapolis is already doing it. Other cities will follow. Are you surprised? Almost no one in public life has pushed back meaningfully against the idea of defunding the police. The Black Lives Matter position is the only position most people hear. After a while, they believe it. Unchallenged claims must be true. That's what most people assume, and why wouldn't they assume that? If you strongly disagree with something, say so. Otherwise, it's much... Do watch uh, Gutfeld. I mean, Carlson's okay. I'm not going to watch him to support him. He's not going to get defunded. He has good ratings, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Before we play our This Is America, a big thing that came up, we covered last time, was... Trump's rallies because of the Watchmen and Wall Street, uh, all that bullshit that happened fucking forever ago that nobody really knew about, not even African Americans. Juneteenth is now the next complaint. I don't know what Juneteenth is. I guarantee most blacks didn't either, but it's a big deal, so let's read about it. Why celebrating Juneteenth is more important now than ever? As Civil War came to a close, a number of people remained enslaved, especially in remote areas. Word of slavery is in. Blah, 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 blah. Doesn't mark the signing of the 1863 Emancipation Proclamation, which technically freed slaves in the rebelling Confederate states. Nor does it commemorate the December 1965 ratification of the 13th Amendment, which enshrined the end of slavery in the Constitution. Instead, it marks the moment when emancipation finally reached those in the deepest part of the former Confederacy. In many ways, June... Represents how freedom and justice in the U.S. has always been delayed for black people. So they're basing this off what happened in Galveston on Juneteenth. And then they bring out all these race hustlers to tell us this is so important, this is so important, this is so important that we all got to have this because we don't do celebrate Juneteenth. And if Trump does a rally on a day that slaves were finally emancipated in Texas, we're all racist. He's a racist for doing it on Juneteenth. Yet when I put it out on Twitter and I put it on Facebook and message people that I know who are the dark persuasion, people of color, none of them had heard of it. Just shows how much stupid and the lengths they'll go. I mean, the positive is... I guess it's positive. If we could redirect all these people who spend all day saying America is horrible to actually doing good things, think what we could do, because you really got to dig to find Juneteenth. You just do. Then we got some shot chasers. Then we'll do this as America. Rick Wilson, here's the shot. You just killed your brand. Domino's Pizza, Kaylee McKinney. What, what? That's one heck of a compliment. Thanks for the love. We appreciate it. What's the chaser? The tweets from 2012. The man got drug all day 
long for it. It was fucking brutal. But that, that goes back to what we have. I mean, this, this is the stuff we'll do. Then we have this one. Oklahoma State football star Cuba Hubbard tweeted that he's boycotting the program because his coach wore, wore an own shirt. It was broke by Kyle Boone. Mike Gundy went fishing on Lake Texahoma, donning an own t-shirt. Some added context to this. Gundy in the past is praying own for its reporting. He said this of the network in April. Kyle Boone, man, here's the chaser. I got to work this section out. I'll get it right next time. This photo taken by Amy Slackick today at the rally in Tulsa is just sad. Kid holding a sign that reads, the media is the real virus. Reply to him, you're currently attempting to get a coach fired for wearing a t-shirt. This sign checks out. (laughs) Shot! Mayor Bellagio, Fulton Street in Brooklyn, will share the message that Black Lives Matter all summer long. We're making the block pedestrian trans only. Pedestrians only, I'm sorry. And working with MTA to coordinate nearby transit. Chaser? Stephen Miller. Oh, cool. Hey, when can Jews go back to city parks? When they made this street last night, simultaneously they welded shut Jewish communities' parks, which the Jewish people went out with bolt cutters and said, fuck you. How can you be for freedom of you single out one religion or two, Christian and Jewish? How? Lawrence, our next one. Raz is handing out AR-15s from the back of his Tesla in Washington to own an assault rifle. A person must be 21 of outside their own home or business. They can charge Raz with gross misdemeanor or first transfer to anyone under 21, then a felony for each one after that. Chaser, Dana Loesch, can someone point me to every town and mom's demand statement on this? There's nothing. They're just handling out ARs and jazz. These are the people that say, if you own an AR, you kill babies, or you kill gay people, or you kill black gay babies. <laughs> Jesus. And this is a shot chaser all in one email. Breaking the entire NYPD anti-crime unit, planes clothes officers, has been eliminated. Bernard Carrick, plainclothes-clothed anti-crime cops have historically been responsible for the majority of gun and violent crime arrests in New York. To avoid police suspect confrontation, the department has disbanded the precinct and the crime teams. Dangerous crime statistics to come. That is unfucking believable Along with that, L.A., Las Vegas... Atlanta, 19 cops resigned. Florida, entire SWAT team resigned. Buffalo, people are resigning. Minneapolis, resigning. So these liberal cities, with all these important people, oh, you're about to be fucked. Just fucked. So, to our This Is America, I have two sound bites. Heckler calls New Jersey governor dictator and hypocrite during NBC 
live feed. I never even recognize it. And number two, a black woman on the street. This is viral on Twitter. Saying no to Biden. And why I'm using it as this is America, because right now in our country, none of the opposing views on any of these subjects are getting any airtime, including Fox. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. I got the strap. You had to go to court, actually, a fight with Asbury Park. The local town wanted to have indoor dining yep. restaurants starting last weekend. In the end, you won in court, but the larger battle is going on literally as we speak. Thank there you. are business owners who are enraged yeah. that this reopening hasn't happened sooner. Yeah, I mean, listen, we were, you mentioned this, we were the second hardest hit state in America, over 12,600 fatalities. The virus indoors is, is far more lethal than it, when it's outdoors. So we got to be careful about opening up things that are inside, lack of ventilation, close, close proximity. We'll get there. There's no question we'll get there. We're just not ready yet. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know if people can hear it. We have a heckler who's yelling about this very thing. I mean, yep. this rage that people feel about businesses not being opened fast enough, it's real. Um, why aren't you moving more quickly? You know, a lot of business owners say it's kind of arbitrary. Why can yeah. I walk to Home Depot yeah. and with a hundred people, but I can't go have a meal? Yeah, I mean, this this guy deserves to to say what he wants to say, but honestly, overwhelmingly, the majority of folks get it. You want the benefit oh, of yeah, Christ, but you don't yeah, want yeah, Christ. You gotta accept Christ and all of His benefits, not just His benefits without Him. Only there's Jesus. no Allah, there's no Muhammad, there's no uh -uh. Buddha, there's Jesus. He's Only the one Jesus. who died, He's the one who has keys to heaven. Forget if you want to get into heaven, and if you want to walk and live on earth as it is in heaven, you have to accept Jesus Christ. He is the only way. Other than that, you will be chasing your tail. You will be chasing your tail. I just got, I just got one question. I heard you say Jesus is the one and only way, right? Or the solution said the solution. You know, it, it's come to a point that I, I think it's dangerous in our country because people are not getting facts. You know, I joke uh, about Stewart, but even Stewart was factual. He'd call out Dems. We have really scary, scary concepts being floated in our media. The Palmer Report is a liberal website. But this isn't very far from what we're hearing on CNN. <clears throat> we're not sure how Bill Palmer has a blue check and 330,000 followers, but he does. He could do a daily post on Palmer hot takes, but that would get old quickly. He was really on a roll today explaining how Mike Gundy cannot remain the coach of Oklahoma State after being photographed in an own T-shirt, and further conservatives cannot be teachers, doctors, or lawyers. Oh, yeah? 
Okay, here it is. People promote racist propaganda, hate speech on own, are dangerous thugs. They have no place in respectable society. Mike Gundy cannot remain the, Oklahoma, remain the Oklahoma State head coach. Too influential of a position in serious. Fire him unless he agrees to get extensive psychological help. It's time we acknowledge that conservatism is just some political view. It means you're the very bottom rung of society. Dangerous and deranged. Some conservatives are trying to become better people. Great. But people who flaunt their conservatives are psychotic. Conservatism means you don't believe in equality. It means you want it all for yourself, and you're willing to destroy other groups of people to take it all for yourself. It's not a crime against the law, but it's a crime against humanity, and we must acknowledge as much. Conservatives cannot be teachers, police officers, doctors, lawyers, coaches, or bosses. It's constitutionally unfair to others who are subjected to conservative deranged judgment. Conservatives can do menial work until they're ready to join the human race. We shouldn't be cold-hearted about this, but have a conservative as a police officer, for instance, isn't much different than having a KKK member as a police officer. It's just not something that a civilized society can ever, ever tolerate. What is difference between that and what CNN says every night? What is the difference? There's a difference between liberals and conservatives that is so striking that the last four years, if you weren't paying attention for eight years under Obama, and you weren't paying attention for the eight years of Bush, 20 years of my life, liberals hate people. They not only don't like your point of view, censor your point of view, allow no opposing views on Twitter, Facebook, in our mainstream media, period. Tom Cotton is glaring example. They think you should either be exterminated or re-educated. I keep playing the Antifa sound bites and people think, oh, he's just beating a hose. That's a low-hanging tree. Those are just few people. No, they're not. You really research in your head how many times over the last whatever length of time you've listened to my show. Have you heard re-education? How many times have you ever heard it? I mean, literally, it, it is unconscionable that people in America would say re-education. That's what fascism does. That's what fascist countries say. Not America. They believe it. We prove it every week. It's our media. It's our schools, college. We have a generation of people that have been trained. There is only one point of view. Ours. Regardless of how hypocritical that is, regardless that all of it somehow, someway, under the guise of intersectionality, contradicts the fuck out of it, regardless that we take freedom of speech and take a dump on it daily in this country, 
They're taught that. And it's not your crazy podcast host, Tony Reed, who thinks this. This is probably the most comprehensive, eloquent summation of our times. I was incredibly jealous when I read this. Because I'm not articulate enough to come up with something like this. I've done op-eds. I go on screeds. I literally replied to this and it got like 30 retweets. This is the greatest and most succinct statement encompassing these crazy times. Thanks. And it's some person. L-U-I-N Alaska. I didn't follow her. A person I followed saw it. And I really want you to think, while I'm reading this, for those that are on the fence that think we're not living in dangerous times, that the left doesn't want to literally change everything about the country and allow no opposition. I mean, defund police, take your guns. That pretty much a checkmate in my book, but maybe you're not there. Tell me what she's saying that isn't true. Some of you have done nothing with your life and you're mad. You have a college degree and a smartphone with access to virtually anything, and you can barely get out of bed in the morning while you spit on people who built a whole world with nothing but a horse, map, and axe. I mean, that, the hate of, they fucked up Lewis and Clark and Eugene, Oregon. You made nothing with access to everything. You've conquered nothing. Hell, you can't even conquer yourself. So go tear it all down. Scream into the void how unfair it all is. It's not that you've wasted your short time here. Surely not. Don't bother with your own legacy. You're busy shitting on the long dead who aren't here to care. Go burn down every Starbucks. That'll show them. Torch the target. Tear down every monument to face every memorial. But what have you built? What do you leave behind? So take your benzos, watch your porn, get Uber to drop off your dinner, buy an adult coloring book, have sex with strangers to ease your crippling anxiety. It's not you. It's a system. It isn't fair. Go cancel someone. Dock someone. They deserve it. You're the good guy. Don't write an epic novel worth building a statue to remember you. Go troll seven-year-old problematic tweets ever on the hunt for the boogeyman. See now you've accomplished something. Cancel everyone. You're a warrior now, real hero. And lastly, whatever you do, never ever take even a moment to self-reflect on your own failures. Never own them. Never take a hit of responsibility. Remember, you're just a helpless victim of circumstances beyond your control. This all means nothing. It's like you weren't even here. She's spot on. I screeded two podcasts ago. Poor, no father, drunks. I didn't make that who I was. My son, who's very successful, didn't have a father from nine on. I wasn't here until I got back when he didn't really care because he was a teenager. He's successful. 
This is the entire generation told they're a victim. It's all not fair. The system is rigged. And I've said it a billion times, but it comes from the presidents that we elect. Will there be terrible consequences for having Trump? Yes. There will be. There are people that are more dug in in what they believe. There are probably a few more racists out there, even though I totally discredit the white supremacy boogeyman. And we've gotten a little more cruder and coarser with him and his tweets. But most of that was only already there. It's just finally pushing back. Under Clinton, we found out oral sex isn't sex. And under Obama, we found everybody's a victim, hate other people, and try to take their shit. And the reason why you don't have that shit is because the whole system's rigged against you. He beat that drum for eight fucking years. He beat police officers are not to be trusted. They're white supremacist piece of shit. When he stuck his dick into every local uh, issue from that piece of shit who PBS hired, who was just asked to give proof of who he was because somebody called the cops in his own neighborhood. And they were just looking out for his house. Down to Trayvon Martin to most horrendously the Michael Brown. His legacy on Michael Brown with That's My Son. He could be me. That he reiterated off the Trayvon Martin. Got a whole generation of dumbasses that are in our street almost a decade later saying hands up, don't shoot, and it's not even true. It never was true. This is where we're at. They have been taught from junior high on, some places from grade school, all white history is racist. None of our forefathers did shit. The greatest generation was a bunch of losers. The only generation that matters is you. Because the planet's going to end. And you're going to have to save us. You need to train us all on how to be better allies on every goddamn subject that is so fucking confusing, I don't know what the fuck you're supposed to think anymore. And more importantly, anybody that says you are wrong or criticizes or has just a question... For all the bullshit you spew out digitally, demean them. Because Obama did it, and he got reelected. The IRS isn't a scandal, you're just racist. Fast and Furious, not a scandal, you're just racist. Hand a bunch of peop- money to a bunch of people that were killing our soldiers, you're just a racist. Don't agree with this? You're a racist. You don't want to go do the ACA, which we designed to fail because we want one payer? You're a fucking racist who wants to kill black people. Because only black people don't have health care in this country. Not the white trash, not anybody else. He pushed a whole statistic that it's only black people being killed by cops, and every metric there is, it's a lie. The biggest fear black people have are black people in inner cities that, by the way, are all run by liberals, Democrats, white ones. It's scary. 
I mean, it's scary that this, that my generation didn't believe anybody and we went out and found the truth. Generation before that, same. We were questioning. We were asking. We didn't believe what our dad said. On every subject. But we weren't disrespectful. And if it was the thing to do, we didn't do it. Now, the participation trophy legacy is all these people believe anything. Like I said a couple podcasts ago, Portland's been fucked up since November. A lady who doesn't even live there called me a liar and an idiot. And Portland's a beautiful, peaceful city. But why should I be surprised? We have a media who says this about what we're living through now. I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. But fires have been started. And and first thing I want to make perfectly clear: this has been almost entirely peaceful. In fact, completely peaceful. It's been a mostly peaceful protest. But then they chose to move in. Uh, Many of these protests have been largely peaceful. Mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm looking at those live pictures next to you, and they seem very peaceful. There are always folks on the fringes of protest that do the things that uh, we don't we don't like. A few people who break a few windows and burn a few cars. They just threw something on fire, Chris, a firecracker. No one should be destructing uh, property and that sort of thing. But I understand the anger. Discount people who are doing things to public property that, that they shouldn't be doing. It does have to be understood that this city has got, uh, for the last several years, an issue with police. So many good people out there who want change and who are demanding change. Our country was started because this is how the Boston Tea Party rioting. So don't do not get it twisted and think that oh this is some something that has not never happened before and then this is so terrible and where are we and these savages and all of that this is how this country was started. So when you get fed that all day, no wonder this generation who shits on fucking everything just incessantly shits all over any generation in front of them, they believe it. I mean, while this happened, Buzz Aldrin, every morning I rise and hoist my flag, my American flag on my balcony. Old Glory serves as a welcome reminder that we're always striving to become a more perfect union today and every day. Let us remember all the men and women we've who fought valiantly to defend it. He was shit on. Because remember, that flag is racist. The whole flag, everything it ever stood for, it's all bullshit. I was going to play a soundbite for one of the most heinous things I've ever said, but I don't really want to talk about it. This week, they... they Nancy Pelosi gave the Floyd family an American flag like he was a veteran. 
Like he was a vet. The same folded flag that soldiers, almost 7,000 of them, died in the current wars we don't even talk about, get. They gave it to a guy who resisted the police. And in my opinion, and many, <clears throat> pretty much died from meth that was laced with fentanyl. Added to by a cop who was a dickhead. That That's what we did. And then we didn't celebrate Flag Day. Because the flag's a piece of shit. White House Correspondent Association gave an award to a fucking reporter for the public broadcasting company that we fucking pay for. It really bothers her when they play God Bless America and America the Beautiful and all that patriotic shit. It really bothers me. That's just horrible. I mean, what does that say about us? And what does Buzz Aldrin think? 68, I understood. <clears throat> I don't understand now. Not with how far we've come. A few cops. But then we see more whites get killed. In the Atlanta we started the show with, with my morning voice that could barely be heard so I didn't talk a lot. Fuck me running, man. If that's a crime, if that cop gets put in jail after a man who's .18 drunk, falls asleep, fucking resists and fights, grabs a non-lethal gun and then shoots it at a cop, what the fuck? God help us. That's not murder. But when we have a Supreme Court that says sex is orientation and who you fuck, we're in weird times where words don't mean anything unless you're conservative. Those words mean something. But of all the people in the world to end a show on, I'm going to end a show with Ron Howard. I agree with this premise, but not what he says, for the record. He was drugged by conservatives, but I don't think they looked into this. His tweet, so logical. I wish citizens in the U.S. would face fines if we miss a local, state, or national election. Ah, Of course I don't agree with that. But that's why we're here. In a country of 360 million people, what, 120 million vote? If that, a third of the country decide what we're going to do because they're too stuck in their ways that he's not conservative enough or she wasn't liberal enough or whatever. And we, the normal people, the flyover people, since eventually if Democrats get full control, it'll never get passed through a convention of states, but... They're going to push for some way electoral college just goes the fuck away. The popular vote will matter. And if we stood up and voted, none of this would be happening. But we all don't stand up and vote. I mean, liberals talk all week. I played fucking multiple sound bites about voter suppression. The voter suppression doesn't come from the parties. It comes from the way things are. 
People no longer feel they have a voice because if you don't agree with what the fuck the left says, you get canceled. So they just stay home. It's not suppression, it's apathy. But he's right. Think about all the kids they interviewed after Antifa destroyed Washington, D.C. They didn't even vote. That's how we fix this. We vote locally. We vote federally. The many will destroy the 10% of this country who want to destroy the country. Through their intersectionality bullshit. It's hard to see when you go to Twitter. It's hard to see when you watch the media because it only puts one side out. That's not the majority of America. It's the majority of progressives. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with family friends. Send emails to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Fop podcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down, and Pocket Cast. Make sure you check out the Twitter account at Fop. Tony Reed. Our next podcast, um, we're gonna go for Saturday because I I been watching Zona's awesome fishing show and Will Defoe's coming back. The hunt for monster bass and I got a fishing craving. So uh, tomorrow I'm heading to uh, the lake and Thursday I'm heading to the lake. So let's go Saturday, twenty June, year of our Lord, twenty twenty. I want to do a podcast on twenty twenty twenty. Well, 620, 2020, whatever. You got the point. Excuse the beginning of the show. I know it was a little low energy. I didn't talk as much as I should about Atlanta. I just kind of put facts out. I wanted to do a podcast that day, but listenership's been down because I've been putting too many out. And I usually try to do one every four or five days, so it's more manageable. I was fired up when I watched. I woke up really early because I've been having problems sleeping because of my back. And, um... I'm going to tell you right now, that had me fired up. That would have been a good podcast if I'd just gone downstairs and done one subject, but I didn't. Um, I promise the next one I'll be awake, at least have a voice to do it. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Spend some time with your family. Enjoy the summer. And tune back in Saturday for another exciting episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at Fop Podcast and Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride makes every day count. Thank you.